0: Hey guys, and welcome back to the Skullcast for episode 101. I am your host, Walter, and I'm always joined by Azil. Hey guys, hey girls, hey everybody. And I'm also joined by today by Grail. Hey! And Griffith. Hey! Got a big crew today to talk about the return of Berserk. I think it's been about. Seven months or so—I didn't count before recorded—but it's been a seven or eight months or so. It's been a long break, longer than uh, you know, kind of we expected. But anyway, it's back, and it is a, a real doozy. Episode three hundred fifty-eight is a real doozy in terms of the length, in terms of the exposition being laid for the future. So it's a lot to tear through, and we're going to do our best to do that. Before I get into the episode, as usual, I have some berserk news oh. uh, updates. Um. A couple of exciting things happened this month, uh, in addition to our new forum, of course. It's, I've already gone over that. I'm not going to reiterate that. But uh, Miura actually gave two original interviews uh, for French publications, uh, thanks to Glenat, which is the French public, our localizer for Berserk. And uh, a couple, I just wanted to highlight a couple things that came out of those interviews. You know, one was he hinted at, but gave absolutely no specifics about kind of a non-Berserk related project. Or perhaps it was Berserk related. It's kind of up in the air. The interview had the interviewer had alluded to uh, something about you had previously expressed interest in doing something science fiction related after Berserk. What can you, what can you tell me about something like that now? And Miura just said, uh, "Can I tell you about you know what?" He was talking to his editor, and the editor <laughs> said, "It depends on when this publication goes out. When this is published." And Mier just said, well, that's that's all I can say for now. Or it's better to leave it alone for now. Mm-hmm. So that's literally it. it it's just kind of like leaving a footprint behind that there's something else he's been working on for a while. And Azeel, uh I think you'd said uh, back in 2016, he had said something about a different project as well. But, you know, we haven't heard anything since then.
1: Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I forgot the details. Uh, <laughs> so. it,
0: was, it was in the big... Um, the editor interview or the publisher interview
1: yeah yeah exactly yeah
0: um other than that uh, we don't know we'll know soon enough because it it depends on when this interview is being published is contingent on when me can say anything so that implies pretty shortly we'll know what it is
1: yeah i mean we even expected it it might be revealed in this issue of young animal which uh, obviously was not the case but i mean the way it was said implied it would be revealed very soon now, that being yeah. said, I have to uh, highlight the fact that because we don't know who translated the interview, I mean, it's Glenna's translator, so I mean, I expect it's uh, it's pretty good, but who knows? There might be some uh, misleading, you know, inaccuracies in the translation, as always, so. Sure. Got to take it with a grain of salt. The I- other two highlights I wanted to make were
0: <clears throat> he kind of dropped a bomb on us. Uh, he normally doesn't, uh, what's the word, tease for future events very much. He's usually hands off on that stuff. Uh, but he did say that the first serious duel with Griffith is approaching, mm-hmm. which really threw me through me for a loop because it, for a long time I've been saying, um, I really hope it doesn't happen at L film because it's not like guts and company are going to magically transport themselves over to Falconia time in the immediate future, of course, ultimately, will well, that'll probably will happen. But the alternative means that Griffith will be arriving in L film soon, because that's where Guts and Casca are situated, which is something I didn't necessarily want to happen. But guess what? It's probably going to happen in one way or the other. Uh-huh. Um, so that was interesting to have that bomb dropped on us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes a little more sense with the ending of this episode, of course, didn't make as much sense before this episode. The last thing is uh, he talked about something that we had talked a lot about last episode, or I guess it was two episodes ago. And now at this point, episode 99, we're talking about Mira establishing a work-life balance and and why the the breaks have been happening the way that they've been happening. And he actually kind of cemented what I had said before, which is the reason for the breaks is he's trying to watch out for his health. Uh, He's trying to establish a good work-life balance. Mm -hmm. So there you go. It's great that he finally weighs in on that and not just you know, says, oh, drawing's hard, or I drew a lot of people in that Vertanus fight, and it took a lot out of me, so I took a break, you know. He was more specific about the overall nature of the breaks as he got, so, as well, he also, got
2: older. Uh, it, it was, was good to hear that. was interesting to hear his process, because he, he made it clear that he sort of has a regular working schedule. Like, he's he's always working, he's always drawing, it's so just sort of the release is behind or staggered. And yeah. you know, maybe the, and the yeah. release schedule takes breaks, you know, so it can catch up. I find it interesting that
1: he said he takes less vacations now since he didn't take basically um, almost any vacation before, but Mm. he works continuously at a slower pace. So I'd be, you know, almost curious to see, you know, like uh, uh, even more detailed schedule of, you know, he his days. Set up. Uh, I guess that's maybe too
2: greedy, but
1: uh, yeah, yeah, that was interesting. Maybe we was can he?
2: leak his itinerary and, you know, <laughs> what, where is he right now? What cafe?
1: <laughs> yeah, but I, I, I liked, you know, I mean, that was interesting. You know, the fact he's just, he's always walking, but just at a slower pace so that, uh, you know, he watches out for his health. Two other
0: small tidbits uh, to go before we get into the episode. The first is that uh, get your wallets ready because the Flame Dragon Knight is coming out. Tomorrow. Oh
2: boy. Oh. Am I yeah. am I going to take my money out and burn it? I mean, what's the, what's the <laughs> point? With the, burn so it so
0: that you can't <laughs> spend it on this this novel.
2: In in honor of Grunbell. <laughs> hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. I feel obligated to mention that as this is a Berserk podcast, and that is a, a quote unquote official piece of Berserk merchandise coming out soon. So uh, let's close the book on that one, folks. Uh, moving on. I thought one of the coolest things that happened in this episode, apart from everything in the actual episode, was that we actually got a same-day digital release of a new episode of Berserk that actually beat the normal ways that we usually consume episodes, which is through leaks or through poorly photographed uh, you know, pages of the magazine itself that come out. This was kind of a quiet seismic shift in the way that we absorb Berserk. And I was really, really into it because I could just throw down what amounted to $3 and 16 cents <laughs> or something like that. And I could get the new episode that day and I actually got it Thursday or the day before the actual mm-hmm. magazine mm-hmm. Hit shelves. So that's pretty amazing. It's a um, deal. I feel like, yeah, it's, it's a really cool feeling just to be like, where is the episode? Where's the episode? It's already up on Hockus and site. I can just buy it. Fucking a, that's awesome. Um, so that was really incredible. It's like uh, a 20, big shift.
2: twenty years later. It's like yeah. it's, it's just yeah, that really. simple.
1: <laughs> it's what yeah. Uh, yeah, it's what we've been waiting for for so long. So I really appreciate the convenience. Just
0: to to really quickly do an anecdote, you know, twenty years ago, around this time, uh, close to this time, twenty years ago, I would have to. I was living in Atlanta, and I would drive approximately an hour and forty five minutes in one direction to get. Uh, the imported version of Young Animal from a Japanese bookstore. And that itself was usually about a week and a half late from when it came out in Japan. Drive back, scan it, share it with everybody. (laughs) And that was um that cost fifteen dollars an issue, I think, at the time because of the import fees, I was doing a special order. Wow. So instead of that, instead of having a week and a half delay, yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. A three (laughs) or three plus hour drive in the effort of scanning and all that nonsense, you know, I paid three dollars and sixteen cents And then we got it, and on the same day. Fucking amazing. So, that's great. Times have
3: changed.
1: Seriously. (laughs) We live in the future.
3: Yeah.
0: Oh, boy. Which brings us, of course, to the main event, episode 358. Um, What we have is basically the... the, What's the word? The skeleton of what his entire kingdom would ultimately look like. Mm -hmm. He touches on... The, how the military would grow and would populate itself. He touches on how the education system would work. He touches on how they could basically establish an entirely new empire over the blank canvas that's you know this fantasy world has created, stamping out other governments, stamping out other systems. Yeah, and now they have the opportunity to seize in front of them. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, he's not even. He basically says that like falls and knows there's no other nation left. You know, nothing's left. So that they, that's why they've got this. You know, uh, blank map. They can just. Fill with their own stuff. It's just basically... Now they can remake the world in their image.
2: He's got, like, a monopoly on humanity, basically. Yep, exactly. Right.
0: What I found most interesting about this and kind of devious about this is that take all that social reform stuff out, he could very easily just say, like, we're the ones with a solid backbone in terms of having an established kingdom with high walls and the falcon crystals that can keep us safe... That alone allows us to be basically, um, you know, the masters of this domain. And so militarily, we can go out and stamp things out. But he's actually turning that on its head by saying, we're going to establish dominance by having a better kingdom, period. Like, we're going to be better run. The people will support us and we'll have the military dominance. It's not just a rule by fear and power. It's trying to be a rule by prosperity, uh, you know, from the people up. So that was a interesting swing i didn't necessarily expect but it's consistent with griffith in terms of how we knew he felt about the nobles and the class-based system from during the golden age you know he spat in the face of that as well so it's consistent
2: it's it's interesting how it is consistent with his like you know whatever his former ideology was and all these things and i mean it sounds great all the ministers are impressed by you know by the end you know everyone's going along and uh it's it's interesting, but it's also that, you know, oh, he's solving immigration, he's solving, you know, people not getting along in the city, he's solving mm. education. But it's also twenty twenty. Yeah, it's all going back into like, you know, it's disguising the fact that he's also building a giant, you know, military society <laughs> that's gonna be centrally run and everyone is gonna be raised by the state. Yeah. essentially and that he'll be in control of uh it's of very everyone. clever
3: uh, when i was reading through the rudimentary translation that that Puella provided it was really interesting cuz he's really you know selling it to them as a meritocracy basically where you know anybody who does the work and puts the work in can be a citizen and live prosperously in the kingdom but really what he's saying is you know as long as you buy into the cult mm-hmm. of griffith and do whatever we want you'll you'll get you'll be able to get by.
0: Mm. Yeah, it was already the greatest alternative to what's out there in the wasteland. And mm. now he's just making it even sweeter and more un- irresistible to everybody. You know? yeah. So it's just unstoppable.
1: I see. You know, what's interesting is not like he's even considering that uh, people could make another kingdom somewhere else or anything like that. It's just basically, we're the only place left for humans and uh, that's how we're going to deal with our problems so that human can uh, continue to exist in this world. He's presenting it as if you know, if Iconia does not prosper, then humanity will just disappear. And um, what's interesting regarding the minister is that he, you know, they they are reluctant to uh, buy into his views in part because of the established order, you know, the feudal society. And so, in, in a way, Griffith is also, it's also meant to convince the readers, basically. It's like, huh, every kid being educated instead of just working the fields, Hey, that's a good thing. Hey, people, foreigners yeah. being given a chance, that's a good thing. Whereas, yeah, it's not actually a good thing when you look a bit farther than that.
0: <laughs> uh, um, there was a lot of talk about money and banking, more than I would have expected, given dudes outside the the walls here <laughs> are dragons. Like, what are you going to do with hey, all that money? man, you-
2: bean counters are going to count beans. That's yeah. pretty much Griffith had to come in. With the you know, hey man, you got to spend money to make money. <laughs> you know, <it's laughs> like-
0: I I was a little confused by that. And and here, here's the thing, guys, I'm not a banker. I'm not an economist but when i see that pretty much there's only one you know kingdom that's probably still upright and not having a dragon roosting at the top of it <laughs> i'm just i'm just going to guess that money's less of a, fa- a thing now mm-hmm. but maybe i'm missing some larger factor in terms of being able to compensate the workers that might say build a cannon for you or build a house for you it you was know, interesting maybe
3: to see right. how mundane some of the issues brought up in the in the episode were because they were also talking about unrest among immigrants and stuff like that stuff that's very relevant to current politics too so that was fascinating
1: yeah definitely
3: it's interesting
2: that like you know they've got sort of presented these real world problems like the ministers are actually worried about you know the the finances of the society you know where the resources come from wh- how they manage the, what you know resources and money they have But, and, you know, Griffith has some solutions, but when you peel it back another layer, it's like, all of this is sort of what Griffith has already designed and allows, you Mm -hmm. know, everything that's unfolding, you know, it's like, like you say, it's like, this seems kind of silly when there's dragons and, you know, everything outside the walls, but at the same time, I, you know, how much of a concern are those dragons really to Griffith and how much of this is all part of the same, like, charade that he's doing because he's not sitting there as femto going well you know i'm actually the god of man in this world you know and i I, (laughs) this is all unfolding as i have designed so don't worry about it you know he's he's playing along and he's got them playing the roles you know he wants them to play presumably
3: that is sort of the gorilla in the room. As you're reading, you're thinking, "Why does he? Mm-hmm. Why is he sitting here? You know, trying to convince people." Doing
2: the the same show that when he was playing the hero on a horse, you know, riding right. in to save everybody. Now he's the hero building an empire. So yeah. it's interesting. Is is the curtain ever going to be pulled back, or is it just he's going to let you know, let the work do the talking, and you know, he'll just it'll be his little secret mm-hmm. <laughs> for however long.
0: All of the reforms that he's proposing ultimately will make. Falconia more vital than ever, you know, to the world. So, as if it could ever remake
2: the whole world, and is going to be Falconia, and sort of by extension, the band of the Falcon is the funny thing because everyone's going to be in the military. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, pretty much.
1: I mean, the the objective seems clearly to make Falconia like cover. I mean, first the entire continent but probably you know, in a second, you know, stage, you know, the rest of the world as well. So, but yeah, I agree. It's uh, it's interesting to see that he's. Keeping it up with you know, like the ministers and even like we mentioned in the in the thread, you know, Charlotte is the one who is, you know, the queen. And Griffith is just sitting at the table with the others, even though the rooms are sitting in is literally littered with falcon imagery. So it's like <laughs> it's designed like she's sitting on a falcon throne in the I falcon room it, to which a falcon corridor leads to. But he's just, oh, yeah, I'm just I'm just a guy here. I, I'm like, you know, every other guy. Oh, I do perform miracles in the church of which I'm the holy it's not all about
3: me guys it's not <laughs> yeah. all about me but that's so beautifully illustrated too when, when Charlotte is kind of going like mm, uh, well what about the orphanage and they're like no 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 and then well, the minute Griffith opens his mouth they're all well, like Whoop. Yeah. Yeah. you know what's hey.
2: funny about that too is that he also you know it's all presented like oh man he defended her idea obviously she's you know she's in love you know for what he did there you know it's like hey let's go back to the room and uh take have care some of your tea yeah let's yeah. have some tea it's tea time after that <laughs> speech and yeah. uh, but he, he completely hijacked and changed the idea to basically like yeah let's put every kid in the military yeah exactly <laughs> you know? yeah and like and she's like thanks for defending my orphanage idea and it's like he turned <laughs> it into like this fascist the child regime. soldier yeah, initiative right and yeah but, but it all works to make him look like a great guy at the same time yeah
1: <laughs> yeah exactly it's just so you know I find it interesting because it shows he's the one with the real power, you know? Regardless of what Certainly, they say yeah. and how he presents himself, he's the one who has final say. And uh, yeah, at the same time, like you said, he definitely hijacked the idea where, you know, I even wondered if he might not be the one who gave her that idea so that she presented <laughs> yeah. it in a very quaint and innocent way. And he could be like, yeah, sure, let's just over, do this. Like over s- tea. Yeah, state, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, state mandated yeah. <laughs> education. Yeah, it's a tea party He's he's funny. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I think it's it's pretty obvious though. Like I, I really like the structure of this episode because uh, this placement in the overall uh, lifting the veil on what Falconia is. Everything up until now has been spectacle. It's been wow, a magical city appeared. It's perfectly designed for the hellish landscape outside. Oh my god, there's crystals too, and inside everywhere everyone has a, a, a way to eat because the seasons have been changed because of the tree so everything's prosperous and then they open the doors here and they go we're fucking out of money uh, there's uh, potential for you know uh, what's the word um, revolt in the streets yeah so we're seeing like the strain of even in a utopia there's these strains on the economy and on the infrastructure and they're trying to put their heads and solve it but Griffith just walks in and just basically like beautifully farts in the room it's like a beautifully <laughs> tuned fart <laughs> like a little bird twerp. and he just totally changes the whole like not only am I not concerned about the day-to-day, I'm building upwards and upwards and upwards and upwards. Uh, with a- each thing, he's stacking on a new challenge and a new direction for the country. And they're all... I'm not saying these aren't like useful things. Certainly they are, but they're clearly being dazzled. And that's all very evident as they're leaving the the room with the, the, yeah. the ministers in the background. They're inspired. And everyone's kind of skeptical about things. And Foss yeah. is like...
2: Yeah, I really want to see what I really want to see what Foss is saying. I mean, because it's got him same. looking admirably at Griffith again, and you get like the behind shot of him walking yeah, the, away, and it's like
0: the impression is that they're skeptical that what he's proposing can be done. And Foss looks, you know, like basically I don't know what he's saying, but it's, I'm assuming it's you know placing his your faith in him yeah. can do nothing wrong or something right. like that. He's
2: done it again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well,
1: he's still Foss. is still hard uh, to say. And I'm marred with Griffiths, like he's been, ever since Griffiths, like scared him up at one time so long ago, you know, basically. So, yeah. I, I think he's just, well, I don't know I mean, the Griffith's exact the stuff. the only but. one that's
2: like called him on his shit, right? I mean, he yeah. was the first one to do it even when he was a man. And now he's basically, you know, clearly more than a man yeah. and still doing the same things and just ever more impressive.
1: Yeah, what does them is... Uh, Just, I think, the sheer ambition of what he's proposing, you know, like just rebuilding an actual (laughs) empire, saying, well, you know, since every other country has been ravaged, we can just conquer everything and not, you know, not care about any of it. We just conquer everything and we make a new empire. And And there won't be any
2: resentments either. Yeah, exactly. Everyone is going to be – everyone will be saved by us.
1: Yeah, I mean, a a part – what's implied in what he's saying is that even if there are some people who survive, there'll be – uh, integrating in Falconia, whether they like it or not. It's just, it's like, you know, there's no, no choice will be given. They will just conquer the whole continent and that will be it. And, um, but
0: it's, it's not just that though. Like, that's what I think is so devious about this is it's not just, we're going to smash through your walls and you're going to sign this treaty. It's going to be like, your people are going to want to live on our walls because of all the infrastructure and social, uh, socially upward mobility we're going to provide well, for they, them.
2: They have no choice because it's going to be like, yeah, you can join our wonderful utopia Or you can go get eaten by a dragon but Yeah, it's not, I mean, totally yeah,
0: it's, That's the baseline, right. but it's not just that you know, That was always the baseline for this new kingdom But, but yeah, he's, he's, also, he's sweetening the pot Yeah, it's
2: it's he's getting. there's a lot of honey It's not just vinegar, like, right. well, go get eaten by a dragon Then It's like, oh, by the way yeah. it's, it's wonderful here
0: <laughs> It's like when he appeared in Vertanus And not only did he have Charlotte on his arm Not only did he have the army that could defeat Kanishka He also had the, the pontiff, you know putting his face on the ground in front of him. All three of these things, making his reign irresistible to everyone that would oppose him.
2: Yeah. Well, like, it's too perfect. Still just a guy in the room, just got some ideas, you know? Yeah, seriously, <laughs> sitting yeah. right next
0: to locust and all the guys. like, Yeah, yeah it's a little mm, <laughs> interesting. Uh, we've been breezing through the big broad strokes here. A couple things I wanted to point out that were fucking obvious to everybody, but you, we see guys Eric uh, in this episode, guys. Uh, yeah, yeah. I feel, I feel like I need to draw mm, underscore that it, our entire site is named Skulling.net. <laughs> this, has, this has to be a moment for us. We, we have not seen Geyseric in the pages of Berserk since Volume 10, which is 1995, I believe. That's, that's a long time ago. And uh, he's in
3: the same pose as he was back then. I, I know.
1: <laughs> seriously. I, I could, he looks pretty badass, though. He's got uh, his lenses behind him.
3: <laughs> well, I like it. I
0: know. I just wish we got a little bit extra perspective on him. Yeah. Maybe
1: maybe somewhere else, a different background,
2: something. It's I, a I understand tease. It's a big teeth.
3: We're just desperate, you know. Well you know what? viewer knows how desperate we are.
2: Well, because <laughs> it's just one panel, he kinda has to make it look recognizable to the original panels of Gazer, True. you like, can't really yeah. look, like, That's a good point in his like his inner sanctum robe or anything.
0: <laughs> like, Otherwise they'd be like, Is that the guy from Willow?
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> what a what a reference! <laughs> anyway, um, I, I do think I do think we we'll, we we'll get more about Geyseric later on. What I'm curious about is whether when we actually get the true background, he will look anything like this or not. Because it'd be funny if oh actually he has the skull stuff. Well, you know it didn't really look like that. So I'm just <laughs> I'm, I'm just curious to see what it will actually be like.
4: Hmm.
0: The other interesting thing was we we talked about this a lot in all the all the episodes leading up to this, which is like you know now that he has the walls around Falconia, you know, and they're going out and killing giants, and they're presumably launching a war on astral creatures. You know, what's that frontier begin to look like? What's that frontier shaping up to be? And of course, it's becoming a human habitable place. But this little map scene we get, or the depiction of what my, what it might be, kind of like mm-hmm. the the engineering drawing of what it might be. You see these little ramparts up there um, surrounded by, you know, individual houses. And each even those, you have little landmarks about where the magic creatures in that region are. I think that's really interesting because in the bottom, you can see where they encountered the Hydra, where they encountered the giants.
1: Well, um, yeah, I mean, that's just, like you said, it's just a, like a depiction of what is, you know, how to say, envisioning. And it's basically... Expanding with highways, making military bases along the highways and, you know, <laughs> building a giant wall uh, around the, you know, Jose's space looks, they've uh, liberated, you know. It with, looks uh, like Super Mario
2: Brothers 3.
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh my I, God, you're right. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, the thing is, uh, like, the depiction doesn't necessarily mean to be realistic. It's just, like... You know, yeah. an idea of, of what it you know will look
0: like. It's a visual representation of the highway system and the outlying bases that would pre- that would then protect the houses that are there. Yeah, I see.
1: Now, as you say, what he's saying is that with the highways they're building, which we can see in the page before that, uh, you know, if there's an incident, if uh, some creatures attack, then the army will be able to respond faster because they'll be able to move much faster from the capital out to where they are needed.
0: I, the the visual style I really like. It's it's not Mira's typical look. It's like a it's like a medieval portrait kind of thing. It's it's like yep. a, it is like an ancient map where it says here there be dragons out in the corner, mm-hmm. and you see a little swirling dragon in and the. There in the really corner are of the dragons. Thing. Yeah, it's right <laughs> it's, there. <laughs> it's
3: fun to play spot the mythological beast. Like you see a chimera, mm-hmm. and uh, you th- uh, Walter, you said you saw a Sphinx over there.
0: Yeah, I thought I. Yeah, I see it. Actually, it's right above the, the leftmost rampart with mm, the one with the yeah, wings yeah. and looking up like a lion. Yeah,
2: yeah. It almost looks like a, it could be a little model, like where you move the pieces around, and he's like, "Okay, mm. the dragons are here.
4: <laughs> mm-hmm. We're gonna move the
2: army in."
0: <laughs> and yeah, the chimera in the very bottom center, of course, uh, some kind of lobster on the lower <laughs> lower left. Yeah, I'm not sure what to make of that.
2: It looks like a sea fight.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's two creatures fighting. One that's got a fishtail, but looks like a cockatrice, and the other is yeah, kind of lobster. Creature thing, funny. Yeah, we've talked about the first eight pages
0: of the episode, I guess it
1: is. But
0: there's, of course, another half of the episode. Uh, well, actually, no, that's not even a half. It's like a it's last third or so. Yeah. The exit, they have this false conversation, which you already talked about. And we see Sonya feeding the falcons. It uh, looks like scraps of meat. Mm-hmm. And um, she, that falcon and her get really close in this episode. Um, <laughs> as Charlotte emerges and uh, interrupts what was, you know, the typical Sonya thing. She steals out Griffith and Charlotte steps in. The normal arrangement of those three characters and her face. Uh, Sonya's reaction mirroring the Falcon's reaction or vice versa. <laughs> I really liked that a lot.
1: Yeah, this is pretty funny. Well, and
2: then they have the a, a mirror favorite with pulling the feathers off the bird. Yeah. <laughs> with well- chagrin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when uh Charlotte is
1: basically, you know, thanking Griffiths for uh backing her up with the orphanage idea and Griffiths saying, Oh no, it's a it's a great idea and Charlotte's going on about how she uh, collected flowers from all over the kingdom, something she had said back then when they were having tea in the garden before rickert came in and uh she's um you know, she's saying she wants to plant them in the orphanage so the kids uh can have, you know, some nice time you know after all the hardships have endured and uh griffith compliments her he says she's like the mother of the nation and she replies oh and you're like the father of the nation and maybe the next king you know you want to plant
2: some flowers with <laughs> me yeah and and, and
1: wh- while she's saying so uh uh how to say yeah and afterwards she asks uh griffith she's like oh by the way um What's your schedule this afternoon? Uh, I, I, I would like to have tea in, in my room with you and uh, to invite you to have tea in my room this evening. And uh, basically she's something like, I'd like to do whatever I can to relieve the fighting of the battlefield. After, after your expedition and, Lo,
2: and Locus punches him it, on the arm and is like yeah go for it bro <laughs> it's,
1: it's it's such an obvious come on and uh and Locus is like oh we got nothing planned uh go ahead enjoy your time and and so yeah you have sonia who's like pulling feathers off the falcon she's like ah, with that blank stare on her face so that's, that's, <laughs> that's pretty fine. funny and so yeah so what's even funnier is she actually rushes and says, oh yeah i want to have tea together too and uh Mule has to hold her back and says that basically uh, Charlotte and Griffiths haven't seen each other in, a, in a, quite a while and she shouldn't disturb them. What she, what Sonia should have done is walked up to that guard
0: and punched him in the face. <laughs> and then he would have, she would have been able to have an audience with Griffith. Only then Mule would punch her in the face. Oh. You guys see what I'm going with yeah, this at Yeah,
1: but that's, that's absolutely... I mean, I, I cannot condone what you're doing. <laughs>
0: It's, I'm not saying it is, but it reminded me of when Guts tried to get a hold of Griffith in the Golden Age. And
1: oh, yeah.
0: Sonia is mirroring what Guts' reaction was at that time. Yeah, A little reminiscent of it. Yeah. I'm not saying it has a parallel 100%, but it's interesting. You know, she also storms off, does her own thing. Yeah. And I'm not sure where she's going.
2: I can't tell if the bird is storming off with her or if it's escaping. I think see, I see he's escaping. Abuse. <laughs>
1: So yeah, yeah. yeah, she she doesn't say where she's going, and uh, we might actually get how to say. I mean, we might tie back into this later on, you know, you know, later in stuff. But she's not she's not saying. But she seems pretty pissed. And uh, I was thinking actually, she might you know travel through the tree and go you know in a faraway place. Who knows? Maybe her thumb. Who knows? You know. Every- yeah, she has the ability to. Yeah, she can grip everything's, it, so pa- well. everything's possible. And, um, and yeah, what's funny is that it cuts down directly to Charlotte to sleep in bed naked. So tea time. it's like, oh yeah, that t-shirt was good. <laughs> so uh, yeah, what did, he, what did he put in that
2: tea? She's already asleep. Uh, sleepy time tea. <laughs> oh my god.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He slipped our Mickey, you know, <laughs> sleepy time too, <tea. laughs> so, and yeah, and of course, I mean, we see the the full moon, the you know three branches of the war spi tree, and Griffiths is holding his hair and uh, looking at a strand of hair, saying, hmm, this night again,
0: and then he streaks, that was my favorite joke of the uh of the episode he's, <laughs> he's just running around
1: town naked yeah. Now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's good stuff.
1: So yeah, that's uh that, yeah, that's pretty big.
0: That's major, guys. That's also major. In addition to seeing uh guys, Eric, this was another major turn for us. Uh because it yet again confirms something we've been talking about for more than a decade at this point. Uh that Griffith and the Moonlight Boy are linked and it happens on full moons. The question was, what does that transformation look like? How does it manifest? How, where is he of it happening? All these, all these questions. And some, some of that is hinted at here uh, at the end of this episode. But before we get into a lot of that, I just wanted to open the door to what this could mean for this sequence of events. You know, Griffith had put a lot of things into motion in this episode. He talked about mm-hmm. the future of the kingdom, not only its direction in terms of like <laughs> where they were pointing their swords, but also, you know, the society, how it was to be formed. Organized where to build things, what to build, how to establish highways, all that stuff has been set in motion, basically. Yeah. And he flies out the window, presumably, if he's the boy now, headed to his parents, yep, to Skellig, to Elfhelm, where there is a time distance between this look, this area, this area, and that area. Oh, yeah. Uh, what that could mean for the immediate future. I mean, again, we don't know. We don't know if it's one day equals five days, one day equals. A year? We have no idea, zero idea. I just wondered where you guys think that might go. Apart from all the other obvious story implications that would that would be if the boy slash Griffith arrived.
2: Yeah, like if Griffith goes there, and unless the Moonlight boy is immune or can somehow stay immune or can you know if he can unless he can essentially time travel. You know, he could come back, and Falcone is, like, on fire. (laughs) You know, dragons are, you know, burning everything. The apostles are eating people. And it's just like, uh (laughs) uh-oh. Like, you know, I was only gone for five hours. That would be a twist. I
1: mean, it really depends how the whole time scene works. Because, I mean, when we were told about it, it's not like, oh, every hour you spend there is a year in the real world. It's more like, don't linger too long, because then you'll sleep out of time, basically. So, I'm just curious... If staying there a few hours will make a difference or not. Right. I mean we, we, we speculated about this and I think it would be interesting to see uh, yeah, to see Griffiths come back and it's been like six months, you know, and they're like, Oh mm-hmm. wow, we even that's significant. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, that'd be that'd be pretty huge, you know. I mean we mentioned some I think it's a threat I mentioned, you know, they might even send like a rescue party led by Sonia through the tree, you know, looking for oh, him. Yeah. Uh, that's good. So that would like there would be cause for a confrontation in uh in L you know. And uh there might also be, I mean, all sorts of scenarios. Uh for example, if Griffiths is aware of what the kid sees, he might see there in L You know, there might be some things that leads him to send people there afterwards to do that. And uh, other than that, when he comes back, you know who knows? He just presumably uh, had sex with Charlotte, so she might be pregnant. I mean, there's tons of. It would also be interesting to see how Charlotte would cope by herself for six months uh, as a leader with a Griffiths to back her up, you know, as
2: he. It ruins his perfect plan. I mean, it doesn't ruin it, but it, it would be interesting to see him actually face an unintended complication. That's like, oh crap, this this yeah. was not what I wanted to happen, you know, and now I gotta deal with fallout.
1: <laughs> I'm not hundred percent convinced it, it will happen. It would be interesting, would be a, a very interesting development, but I'm not like I don't know, I'm I'm not hundred uh, percent sure. My it... first
2: assumption is is that, you know, his plan is still gonna proceed, you know, perfectly for the foreseeable future. And will he'll you know, he'll if he does end up meeting up with Guts and Casca or if it'll be interesting, I like, presumably we may find out like is he seeing what's going on through the child's eyes? Is, the, is he basically in a holding pattern yeah. and doesn't know what the child is doing or vice versa? I mean, it, implications both ways yeah. are very important. So it'll be, uh, it'll be interesting to see if we mm-hmm. uh, find that out.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I mean, even without any kind of confrontation there, it would be interesting because presumably Guts and Casca could stay in her thumb, you know, forever, for like 10 years. And, you know, the world would change and they would be unconcerned. But uh, I feel like seeing as a child and maybe having some... uh Revelations about who he is and what's going on and everything might be, uh you know, a prompt for them to actually leave the island and go out and, uh you know, try try and uh, save him or something like that. So, in any case, there's a lot of possibilities.
2: It would also be interesting to see Griffith just finding out about Casca. Right. But also see <laughs> them... Like basically fra- you know, fraternizing with the only threat to him that exists and probably be like, son of a bitch. <laughs> Look who's here <laughs> like, yeah. mm. Mr. Dream Ruiner. <laughs> <laughs> I, I honestly
1: wonder if uh if he would care about Casca.
0: Yeah, same. She was
1: branded. Yeah, I, I think he would not give a shit. Just like Gus, he would be like yeah, you're nothing to me. But obviously for the kid, it's a different story because it's his mom. So, I mean, it's again, it's a big conflict that's been building up for so long. It's the fact that Griffiths, he's, you know, like he said in uh, volume 22, his heart should be frozen. I think
2: it's like more an intellectual interest, like almost like the novelty of like, oh, you know, he brought her back. Like if uh, he, uh, yeah, you know.
1: I'm sure he would have a, he would have a, like a very cruel <laughs> thing to say like, Oh, I see you've you got over it. Well <laughs> oh, good, shit. good for you. One another turn, yeah. you know, Aww. is that kinda of, I mean
2: too far. Uh, That's the kind of thing Femto would uh I don't, I don't know. know. This this political Griffith would never say something so rude. I mean it would <laughs> you know, he'd 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 use a he'd use a tea metaphor, you know, <laughs> it'd be something, you know He's outside of earshot Yeah.
3: I really like the idea of what you guys are saying in that Griffith actually having to regard Guts and Casca as possibly some sort of threat, uh, not in terms of just him himself, but the only weakness he has kind of being tied to them.
1: Obviously, yeah.
4: Mm -hmm.
3: I think that could be interesting.
1: There's a double thing. First, you got the facts. They knew him from before just like Rickert. And you know, it's just they don't have the veil over their eyes, you know, about who he is, what it did, you know, they're they're not fooled. And I think it it's kind of the same for maybe people like Raban, you know, and Owen. Maybe they you know they knew him when he was human. And that's a difference from people like, someone like Mule who's just, you know, had over his with him. And uh, and yeah, mm-hmm. there's a fact they're his parents and that makes them That makes them the only people who actually can do anything against him. Because, like we saw in volume 22, uh, you know, it's unlikely the boy would let Griffiths harm his parents directly, at Mm -hmm. least. So, yeah, that puts them in a unique position to fight him and defeat him and everything like that. So, and at the same time, of course, there's a tension of the fact they probably don't want to kill the kids. They probably want to save him. So, how do they defeat Griffiths and save the son? And don't die and everything. So that's I think that's going to be what the ending will be all about. we mm.
0: we'd, we'd launched this conversation by what Griffith might have to say to Guts or Casca, or particularly Casca, but, you know, that's that's not necessarily the arrangement of how things will happen in, yeah. in, in Elfheim, at least immediately. You know, the, the boy is coming. He's been transformed because of the moonlight. And presumably when the boy crosses the threshold from Skellig to Elfheim, film, You know, we saw some defenses and I'm not saying pumpkins are going to stop the boy and Griffith, you know, those pumpkins are going to be fucking (laughs) pumpkin pie by the end of that. Obviously, the question is, though, how many alarm bells are going to go off? What is his presence in L going to do to the overall, you know, dynamic there? Will they regard him as a threat? I can't imagine someone as powerful as the boy slash Griffith would go unnoticed by Danan or the other uh, gurus. I can't imagine that it's going to be like, oh, just a kid in the forest,
2: whatever. You know. Will they know exactly who or what, or at least what he is? Or is mm. it going to be more like Shirke where it's just like, whoa, you know, this person, this is a special creature, whatever this is. I have no idea.
0: It's took her a while, though, too. And she only learned that by process of elimination, there's something special yeah. about the boy.
2: Mm-hmm. I think Danan
1: will know for sure. Uh, I think the gurus might, you know, like, they're obviously they're wiser and more experienced than Chiruke. So they're also going to, you know, know some things up. Maybe not exactly what, but, yeah. I feel
2: like the only reason they might not or possibly couldn't would just be if, because Griffith and the boy have, like, some sort of defense against that you know basically like something to like screw hmm. up anyone reading them. I mean, but it may it may not be. They may know like you say, if anyone was gonna know exactly what it was, they would.
1: We know they give off a different vibe. They don't make the brain... I mean, the boy doesn't make the brain bleed, and he doesn't seem evil, and Shokia tried to read him, and she couldn't quite place his art. So there's something... There's a a real change going on, but I'm thinking, yeah, I mean, Ged and Dana would...
0: Ged would know. (laughs) I just have a feeling.
1: Probably be able to to read through that. So, yeah, it's going to be funny. Like, would, you know, would the boy arrive? And, you know, like, I don't know, in the midst of Gus and Casca doing something or whatever, and... Will like the four gurus just appear out of a sudden and be like ready to fight or something? Yeah.
0: Imprison him.
1: <laughs> you know, or will it just be different? Will I dunno, will Dana will be observing, you know, from you know a hidden spot and being like, yeah. hmm, I see.
0: So, I'm picturing that. <laughs> yeah.
1: I'd imagine that like the, the
0: the cool scenario that we kind of concocted in discussions was the boy appears to Kaska. Kaska knows who it is. But if it's presented as a threat to everyone else in there, including the gurus, including Danon, you know, they would be opposed to him and want to do something to him. And Casca would be there standing in front of the boy to protect him. And Guts would have to choose, you know. That's just the dramatic scenario I kind of cooked up.
1: You're missing one. Then then the Skull Knight appears and be like, gonna strike him down when he's weak. And Guts has (laughs) to be like, no way, you're not touching him. And they fight. And yeah, yeah, And at the end. Why not? Yeah, sure. I mean, it's possible, and I mean, we laugh about it. But yeah, maybe you know, Casca would be you know taken away. So that would be a crazy, crazy development. And I don't really believe in it, but it's 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 possible. The
0: only wow. reason I would say against that is that I can't imagine Mira would bring her back just to then disempower her, basically by kidnapping yeah, her. <laughs> same exactly.
1: It would be it would be really shitty to the readers because there's so much to be done with her, and if she was yeah. just a damsel in distress. That would
2: really suck. So, yeah, I don't believe in it. But Flashbacks to, like, the original Mortal Kombat movie where, like, Shang kidnaps Sonya at the end. It's <laughs> just like, yeah, that wouldn't be a good thing to copy. <laughs> <laughs> that would be bad.
4: Test yeah. your might.
2: <laughs> you know,
3: they just goes so, to
0: the um,
4: with
3: her. <laughs> the,
0: the, the idea of evil appears in yep. the sky at the end of the movie. <laughs> yeah.
3: What you guys are talking about uh, kind of got me thinking about something that i've been ruminating on since this episode came out which is just that there's so many uh kind of callbacks and and references almost to to earlier parts of the series like for example Sonia looking on at Griffith and Charlotte always reminds me of uh Casca and Guts looking up at Griffith yeah uh, yeah
0: yeah natural
3: yeah. and and the idea of Guts and and Skull Knight fighting over the Moonlight Boy is another kind of callback to when, you know, Guts refused to kill him, and, oh. and Skull Knight says this child will cause you misery. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and even now, I'm looking at the panel of Griffith sitting on the windowsill with Charlotte sleeping, kind of calls back to when kind of Griffith had to make yeah. a, a quick getaway, and now he's ruling the roost; he doesn't have to do anything. But at the same time, he's kind of swept away by another circumstance, literally. Yeah. So, so many interesting callbacks in the last several episodes. Oh yeah. man,
2: that's so cool! I Grille. have a question though about the the whole Skull Knight versus Guts scenario is that why didn't he try to take out the boy on the beach? Because we know he was around. Uh, well
0: w- wasn't in proximity though. We, yeah. we, he was somewhere around but
2: Well I mean that that
1: that, that was just a dumb that it was just a really dumb thing. I don't actually think the skull knight we try to kill the boy in <laughs> okay, um, I mean maybe he will, but I, I, I don't I don't expect that to be the case. I was really just kidding that about was like that part. Uh, Griffith, I don't you know, think so yeah, he, he might... so will
2: join Griffith, oh. you know, in that vein. <laughs> but uh well I don't know. My my guess is always like just from Mira's mo is that there's always a things are always calm before the big storm or the fight. So I think you know we'd have the boy there. We'd have some yeah. talking. We'd have you know a lot of what's up with the kid. You know, you know, mm-hmm. blah blah blah. Just a, a lot of that first before any sort of confrontation.
1: Yeah, I think uh, it's gonna be interesting. That's for sure. And to get back to what Gray was saying, I I totally agree. Like on the recurring motifs, whether it's, you know, Sonia or, uh, Griffiths on the, like, uh, I don't know if we can call it a windowsill, but, uh, yeah, I think it's, I think it's deliberate, you know, I, I don't think it's just a uh, coincidence. Uh, I think, yeah, Mira, Mira did it on purpose and, uh, I agree. I sp-
2: it didn't work out the last time Griffith jumped off Charlotte's windowsill after they, uh, <laughs> they made it. Yeah.
1: No,
3: he had some problems after that, but. but
2: yeah. <laughs> Well, I think
1: this time he's going to be fine. Well, who knows, though? Maybe, you know, he'll get uh, he'll get slapped <laughs> around a bit.
3: More slaps for Griffith. Yeah. Always a fan.
1: What do you guys think about the... Because, you know, like, okay, we saw a continuation of the plan, you know, with Falconia And now establishing a, an empire, which we had seen coming, I think. So, you know, it makes me think about what's the end goal, you know? What's the final plan mm. for it? Uh, we've mentioned... I mean, we've mentioned before that Griffiths could be seen as a kind of copycat of Geyseric created by the idea of evil. You know, Falconer's design, which was copied on the Old capital, cemented it, and now forming a second empire uh, further underlines it. So, I mean, one component uh, we've mentioned, I think, several times before is the eradication of uh, astral beings. Just, you know, there's that clear vision being established here that it's humans versus the natural world, and... Uh, Griffiths want to create a purely human world with a reformed society closer to like a military dictatorship than was it before. So, you know, I'm just I'm just curious what's the end goal of Being that presented
2: is presented as like a side effect. Like, oh, well, we're going to preserve the human way of life. So we're yep. going to spread it all over the world. But by the, the other, the alternative is that he's building a war machine to eradicate all fantastical beings. And is that the actual end yep. of all this, the real aim? I think so. Yep. Mm, I agree. I, I
0: think it's all about humanity and the god hand have the god hand and the idea of evil have domain over humanity through the common consciousness yeah. deep in the abyss and all that. I think it's that's the key there.
2: Right, but are Mike? I mean are the is humanity a means to that end or are they the end?
0: I think humanity is the I think a st- complete dominance over the over the entire population without any hindrances by astral creatures is the
1: goal. Yeah, course. I think you will bus right. Go ahead. <laughs> good. <laughs> Now uh, I was just thinking. Uh, yeah, I, I think the reason for I'm not sure destroying astral beings is the final end. You know, so I think the reason for destroying them. Yeah, what are
2: they? What are they destroying them for?
1: Yeah, so I, I think they're agents of chaos, basically. Of. Uh, unknown to the human world. Uh, For example, think of every time God's life has been changed by Puck or even Chich, you know, saved. Uh, I think they're outside of the scope uh, that the God Mm -hmm. hand and the idea of evil control. You know, they control human emotions, human will, they obey human reason, they can Inhabit people's minds and give them ideas of uh, you know that kind of stuff and I think uh astra creatures you know are uh they interfere with that you know we we are know- an unknown factor yeah exactly they can you know we we know people can think of them in their dreams even when the uh, astral world was separate from the corporate world and um so they can basically do things that the bad guys do not want. And of course, there's magic users, which are a great threat to the gold hand as well. So, uh you know, right now, basically, you know, the knowledge people had of the old world through magic and, you know, magic users has disappeared and uh griffith is promoting this new vision of uh you know technology and like industriousness you know i mean the shot of the highway being built actually you know i felt pretty dreadful to me they're like really radically changing the world and so is that world that's for humans only and you know i think in the end it will be utterly dominated by the god hand and the of evil. you know it's, it's a world where Causality, you know, uh, would rule everything. Will be absolute, purely deterministic world where everything follows a specific reason. You know, there's no chance. There's nothing. Everything follows a, a, a rule. I, I think that's that's what's that's what's going on.
3: And humanity ultimately becomes a resource.
1: Yep.
0: I do think it's about completing the pattern. Like, causality is completely human-focused. You're right that there are these gunky astral creatures that keep getting in the gears and (laughs) making them not work exactly like they're supposed to. And eradicating everything would make everything a perfect machine completely um, with complete domain. I guess it's interesting that Mira has kind of ebbed and flowed about the threat of astral creatures. You know, the way they were introduced, at least since Femto appeared incarnated, was that they were a threat. Mm Mm-hmm. To humanity and the natural responses, of course, to re- eradicate them, get these trolls out of my village. They're raping my ladies. That's not <laughs> beneficial to have astral creatures around. And then we're introduced to Elfhelm where we see a bunch of you know mostly positive, mischievous astral creatures. And on the other side of the world, Falconia is mostly subject to all the you know a lot of the dangerous meddling uh, astral creatures. Mm-hmm. So the natural response, of course, I mean, it makes sense if you're in a post-apocalypse. You want to kill all the zombies, you know, put some fences up. So let's, let's live in that jail. Yep. You know, why not? You know, it makes it's an, it's a logical conclusion, but I guess what we're missing and we're kind of speculating about or drawing on an open map about, you know, what does that mean? You know, what, what does the eradication of astral creatures actually do for the overall you know, scope of human affairs <laughs> moving forward? Well, and
2: what will that uh, do to the
0: world? Yeah. The other thing we have not really discussed uh, apart from meddling with causality's inner workings, they are they are potentially a threat you know a guided um what's the word organized astral creature force would be formidable yeah um, right now it's not it's scattered it's chaotic it's just all over the place yeah um, but i think that could be another thing because just like flora when she was around it was someone that could potentially oppose uh the god hand and the plans
1: something that's underlying all of that is that uh Griffiths and the Goat Hand are the ones who, you know, brought these guys back into the world. So they they brought... Yeah, these- he
2: doesn't mention that when he wants to build a giant, like, dumb wall <laughs> to stop, you know, like, astral creatures from coming. There was already invisible walls yeah. keeping them out that first he broke a... Ho- he ripped, like, a hole in. And then he completely eradicated. Yeah, it. yeah. So he's,
3: he's selling the cure after creating the sickness. Yeah, yeah exactly. I know.
0: I'm, I know. I'm stepping on your toes Aziel, But I wanted to point out just really quick, like the, the again the back and forth with Miura about this whole thing is that presumably the world was made less chaotic by the means of the the gurus and the yep. witches and wizards that established those you know parasites in the world tree that allowed humanity to prosper in this past thousand years or so. Yeah, exactly. So it's interesting, again, that it's re- returning to that only through the guise of evil, basically.
1: Yep, mm. exactly. He basically uh, destroyed the old protections, mm-hmm. and you know, that separated them without destroying them. And now that they're back, he's saying, oh, but well, now we, we gotta destroy them. So yeah. it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, that, that's a, a devious thing. So, again, I'm not sure I'm not sure, you know, it's the well, that's a real final...
2: Were those protections protecting us sure? I was just going to say, I'm, I'm not
1: sure that's the actual like finality of it, like destroying the astro and establishing this. you know, Maybe there's just one final step after that or anything like that. But, yeah, I, I think it's interesting because when you think of it, it's the last great mystery like that's still unsolved in Berserk. You know, it's What's the plan of the gold hand? So, yeah, I don't know. Right. I just think it's a, it's a great thing to be thinking about.
2: That's actually uh, what I was thinking too. Where it once, you know, is there like is there some sort of zero sum game here with like the astral power in the world and how the creatures use it and interact with it? And by wiping ah. them out, are they able to either control and be unopposed or seize that power and re, you know, and focus it to their ends, whatever their final end is? And mm-hmm. So that was just something I was thinking about with this. And also, there's the a fact huge. That- Go ahead. Sorry. And were, were those, the old walls that were knocked down, the old protections, as you said, were they protecting humanity or was it the other way around? You Ooh, know, like true. all those things, yeah, to huh. protect, you know, was it protection from the god hand and from humanity?
0: All we know is they called it the chaos of the old times when humans and astral creatures are, you know, living alongside each other. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. It's, it could be one or the other.
2: Yeah, and you,
1: you're you right that uh, that's another thing is when when the Fantasia occurred, we saw the... Uh, you know, big shots of the other four members of the God Hand. And that's another big unknown in that plan is what are these guys doing? Because, I mean, are they in other parts of the world doing other things? Are they influencing humanity differently?
2: The way it was portrayed is it was almost like they were unleashed.
1: Yeah, Yeah.
0: snap your fingers moment. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
2: But my point is, uh, are they unleashed?
1: I mean, are they influencing humanity like the world before, which is more like, you know, in the through the common consciousness, you know, like, I don't know, Slan making people more lecherous and uh, Conrad spreading diseases, you know, oh, or is all it... All the
3: seven sins. Yeah, pretty much. Be, uh, or is it be different? a great team,
2: those two. Yeah.
1: Oh, man.
4: <laughs> Boy.
3: A lot of STIs hanging around. But to build <laughs> off of your earlier comments, guys, I keep coming back to the, the slap Rickert slap Griffith and and kind of going to like the desire to control humanity's actions by taking away any sort of fantastical influence to kind of uh, change up any possibilities Mm -hmm. they're trying to create through their machinations and I I really keep thinking that Rickert slap is very symbolic in that way and that Mm. you know Griffith this extremely powerful being being is in a way relying on humanity to follow his rules, to follow yeah. whatever he's
4: yeah. helping to
3: create. And Rickert's slap is sort of symbolic of humanity has to make a hard decision on its own to keep from yeah. going down that easy pathway well, and yeah. saying, we're not going to let you control us. Yeah. The
0: same with the Bakiraka, what Silat said as well. It
2: demonstrates that it's possible. Just
3: yeah. that, you
0: yeah.
2: know, that Griffith's power is in part you know given to him by people listening to what he says and following him. It's not just that he like, you know, everyone – has to follow my commands. My charisma, mm. you know, forces them to go. Yes, master. You know, Rickert was able to reject it.
1: Yeah, blind, mm. blind ship. You know, white, blind ship. Right. And it's also, it all of it is
0: all, also utterly symbolic of the way causality works. You know, it offers an irresistible path, and you have the choice whether to follow it or not.
1: Mm. Right. It's interesting that. Uh, you know when Ricket slapped Griffiths, everybody was taken aback. Not just like in the story, but even the readers, because at this point, yeah, for anybody to do that was like, oh my god, what the fuck, man! And that's a <laughs> yeah. hundred,
2: a hundred arrows would miss this guy aimed right at him.
1: Yeah, but so yeah, that's I think that proves your point exactly. Uh, Graham
0: he's mm. where my open palm can reach him yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, one last thing which we didn't mention about the military aspect and the kid and stuff is I'm still pretty convinced we're going to see at some point uh, a program where uh, pseudo-apostle soldiers will be manufactured massively to push yes it.
2: Uh, a promotion.
1: Oh, promotion I'm sure of it it's only a matter of time so it might be kids from the orphanage or foreigners or criminals or whatever I'm 100% sure it, it will happen and I already see a battle where Gus, you know, like you're going one of the generals leading up this army of you know clones, apostle monks, you know pseudo apostle yeah. guys, and Gus will be cutting through them, and you get you know Serpico and the others who are like, ah, oh, these guys are strong, and yeah, so I'm, uh, yeah, I'm excited about <laughs> sort this. Sort of
3: like uh, Daca Part Two, <laughs> but exactly. Yeah, but even more gonna, dangerous. They're gonna make
2: them look. I think they're gonna make them look better.
3: <laughs> yeah, it's gonna, oh, yeah. It's gonna yeah. be
1: so apostle super soldiers, Is it gonna be right. Daka, Yeah, power ten. You know, oh, it's.
0: Imagine all the design possibilities for that, because generally pseudo <laughs> apostles look really grody. But yeah. Like, what if what if it's like a revered like platform, yeah. Like yeah. an officer, Captain and he's like Falcudia. grody face, but he has like, <laughs> like imagine the imagine the Nazi uniforms these fuckers would have.
1: saying. Exactly. Yeah. And, and it's gonna be a scene where they'll be like, "Oh, uh, your family will be taken care of forever after that. You you do that. Yeah. Uh, they won't have to worry about anything. And the guy goes in the room and he comes back. You know, like Zondark you know he comes yeah, back i was
2: thinking of zondark, zondark but fashionable
1: <laughs> yeah he's he's you know like two heads taller and he's like you know monstrous and when his family yeah. waves at him he looks but he doesn't wave <laughs> back because he's a fucking monster now <laughs> no. yeah oh man i love it i can't he didn't wait we
3: get any health benefits that time back in, <laughs> back in the
1: old days i wish it were already
4: here yeah. but we're still And, and we're you know, gonna we're see the process there.
1: through the eyes of mule of course you know who wears better yeah. he'll
2: be like should i should i go through it i, I don't know <laughs> but, <laughs> get our our super soldier serum yeah. you'll be captain falconia
3: <laughs> oh
1: <laughs> so yeah what one thing uh we were talking about before uh, the podcast started is that uh there are interesting parallels between you know as uh, a vision you know depicted in this episode and what's happening in the real world which is you know uh on one end you got climate change and uh, you know the way humans have ru- basically ruin the world you know destroying all mm-hmm. the animals are dying everything and as you the other, there you get that that uh, kind of wave of fascism that's been washing over the world in the last few years where you got you know many far-right you know leaders uh griffith is building america and europe <laughs> yeah i mean uh in brazil and whatever japan i mean yeah. you, you get you know uh Pula was telling me that uh griffith's talk about education reminds her of uh you know, um uh, Japan during the, you know, uh, their imperial era, you know, where the kids all had uniforms, same haircut. Basically schools. the school system was manned by the military. And hmm. so it's kind of the same, you know, very militaristic dictatorship aspect. And, uh, and yeah, obviously and and I feel like the like the whole industriousness, you know, making highways everywhere, building walls, raising everything you don't like. That feels very much like Uh, what we've done with the modern world you know we just you know burning all the forests and you know emptying the oceans and whatever so I think that's an interesting social commentary aspect I've
0: literally never given a, a single thought until this episode. But well, there's that's so much laid on top of another here. It creates a pretty solid foundation to make yeah. that argument. I mean, I
1: mean yeah. Murat said before that he was influenced. You know, I remember he, he said uh, the conflict in Rwanda, you know, influenced him in the past. Mm-hmm. So he does care about what's going on in the world. And obviously, I mean, no one could just not be influenced by anything. It, so... Mm. It usually manifested in very abstract
0: ways, like the fact that there was a refugee crisis in the late 90s, and um, yeah, I think it was it manifested in the, in the refugee camps around Albion as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I thought that would be, but but you're right, it's it's a lot happening all at once. And I, I would have also kind of disregarded this, except
1: for the wall, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we're, we're gonna build a wall, <laughs>
3: the Jotuns are gonna pay for it. Well, I, I mean,
1: to be to be fair, Falcone has already got. Huge yes. fucking walls. So a beautiful wall.
3: As <laughs> beautiful as a wall can be. I
1: mean, I mean, honestly, these walls are
2: pretty. Yeah, they're pretty good walls.
3: <laughs> they're going to install solar panels in the next episode.
2: <laughs> well, it's uh, we were t- we were talking about it shortly before uh, the podcast started. Was basically what you know we're asking what is the God hands aim here and sort of also what is hand in hand in that Mira's what's his theme that he's getting at with all this, you know, what, what's his ultimate commentary that he's making about what the God hand are doing, what Griffith is doing, why it's bad, how it relates to the world. So mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see how he develops that. Cause he's, he's playing with a lot of stuff. I, I
1: think in part, I mean, uh, what we laid out in this episode, I think, I mean, in this episode of the podcast is that free thought, you know, individual, you know, thought and uh, being able to decide your own fate and basically make yeah. your own choices. That's a, a fundamental part of what makes a human a human. And, you know, just obeying, you know, the rules and being a, just a cog in the huge machine, that's uh, dehumanizing. And uh, it's not a good thing. And it's what, you know, it's part of that he, e- evil thing going on. Yeah.
2: Griffith is building sort of this ultimate society you conform to, even yeah. though it's also benefiting you. So, yeah, that is interesting where Guts sort of represents staying outside, that he's off the grid. He's not on the uh, spirit tree internet. Leslie Griffith <laughs> is going to suggest in the next episode, hey, we should send like messages back, and <laughs> back and forth. The on other this.
0: side of that dilemma that Mira is, you know, kind of philosophizing about is, is that there's a glamour to a dream. Like following a dream can be beautiful and like very enticing and you know intoxicating to to do that for a while but at the end you have to recognize that you know my will is no longer my own will it's somebody else's will that i'm just feeding you know we saw that back in the band of the falcon days as well and we're seeing it on a much more grander infrastructural level at this point with, with falconia
2: it's just interesting how sort of uh deep and nuanced it is because i mean if mira wanted to it could just be like oh well griffith's evil and you know the apostles are eating people and you know he's he's the devil and he
0: could, <laughs> i'm so uh, glad it didn't do that, yeah. that because I, that's all you I, mean. I really I, there was a part of me that was not fully convinced but thought that no that's falconia sure like you know 10 years ago 15 years ago like yeah they're just gonna get eaten or something like that yeah it eat.
2: looks good on the outside but in the belly of falconia it's really just a big feeding line
0: <laughs> this is so much more – there's a lot more going on here and it's yeah. more devious in a way. Uh, and so, I, I really like the direction he's gone with it, to be honest.
1: Th- that being said, I do expect there to be some eating of people at some point. I oh, mean, yeah. I no, mean, certainly. it has to be. It's ca- it's ca- <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I mean, people. some people were like wanting some very simplistic thing. Like, oh, they're all going to get sacrificed, you know. A super sac- – It's
2: a big yeah, sacrifice, A, a super
1: sacrifice to make a super <laughs> apostle. But – but yeah, it's going to be different, but yeah, I, I do think, I mean, I do think we're going to get some, how uh, to say, non-equivocal, you know, evil monsters being monstrous and
2: doing, you know, like very obviously monstrous things. When, when does Griffith just start walking around as Femto? <laughs> like, when does Falconia take that turn? <laughs> like, when he's just, yeah, I'm just, this is me. That's a good question. I wonder, when he gets into the
1: Pandemonium area of Falconia, does he just sheds a costume and be like, alright, I can uh sweat my shoulders and be myself, you know. It's like taking your pants off after work.
2: Puts his crosses his legs, just like ah
1: That's his <laughs> sweat yeah. his sweatpants. He just,
2: or felt co- he just or. flaps his wings, he's like, oh my God, that feels good man. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Lo- Locus is like, you know, you're you're making yourself hotter by flapping than you would just. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's, shut up.
0: Yeah. Well, he, I, I kind of wish he would just. This is certain. Hmm, boy, go ahead.
2: No, no, I
1: was just saying. It's just some bullshit. I was just saying he would just look at him and send him flying back against the wall, you no. know.
4: <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, I do feel like we're probably transitioning away from Falconia with this episode. It's a natural stopping point with Griffith transforming and presumably going to L-Film. And there's a lot to do there, obviously. I do wish we kind of got another, what's the word, um, pendulum-style switch to see what's happening in in Pandemonium. We only got one half an episode glimpse. you're greedy.
1: I mean, I I, I, I also would like it, but... uh... And maybe, who knows, maybe we will, but I mean, yeah. I am uh, I can wait for it. I, I do, I mean, I am super curious about it. I'm also super curious to see what the other members of the Good Hand have been up to. I mean, I can't wait for it. This is definitely not the direction I thought we'd go on this episode, but I may as well open
0: the door to it. When I was doing some of the episode or translations, not translations, but moving them over to the release schedule, I'll I, I kind of scrutinized a couple of phrases that were used, used a lot of times. One of the ones I used to always pick on a lot was um, King of Longing. I always thought it was a mistranslation, and I, I really scrutinized it, and I asked Aziel about it, and Aziel, your answer was that it's actually pretty close to yep. the correct yep. terminology. And then I thought, is it, is it a more generic term that could refer specifically to Griffith and Femto, or, or is it overall, because they're guardian angels of desire, they're talking about all the god hand are kings of longing, or the desired kings, or something like that. Nope. It's specifically used for Griffith yeah. and Femto.
1: It refers mm. to, his, uh, to his
0: ambition. Totally, yeah. That's the thing. It could simply be his personality is someone who dreams and has big dreams, and that's it. But I also thought, given we were talking about what the other God Hands' domains might be like, his domain is a reflection of that. Of yep, of ambition. Yeah, you know, his entire kingdom is so it's all about ambition and achieving his dreams, Conquest. And, and totally. So if that's the case, if we can wrap all of that around his domain. The other godhead might, as you said, we kind of alluded to earlier, have their own, you know, types of fears mm-hmm. out mm-hmm. there related to their personalities as well. So that might be a key, although we don't know what it is. Although I do know that Voids is a giant brain. Everyone lives inside like <laughs> electrons going back and forth and synapses. It's
3: I It's not a one-to-one comparison, but it kind of reminds me of the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse. One of them sure. is Conquest, right? And yeah. Another one is uh, Disease, what, or mm. what was the... the-
1: um, the fat one. Yeah, I'm.
3: Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm. I'm not sure they're all
1: like named in the original. scene. I think that's more of uh, things that came after in uh, works of fiction. But yeah, there's mm-hmm. like war, disease, famine, and uh, the last one must be death or something like that. Famine yeah. is like uh, when people uh, die of hunger. For American people who don't know how to speak their own language. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, yeah, I asked kind of open and shut on that. Just. Talking about the different region, domains that might be out there. If the God Hand are indeed walking around, or if you want to use the word "walking around," mm-hmm.
2: land the uh, queen of forbidden, unlawful carnal knowledge. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I like I like to
1: see these guys again. It's been it's been too long, honestly.
2: Well, that'll be the next uh, staff meeting where it's like oh, I've got my uh, new advisor here, uh, uh, Boydo. Uh,
4: come on in, uh, buddy,
1: <laughs> Minister Boydo. Yeah. You know, the thing is. You know, it's funny because people, um, when you read the threads, they're like, Oh, you know, you got these, uh, loose ends and whatever and whatever. But Mira, he's got, he's built up so much stuff that he's got all these cards. He can pull at any time and, and he's, will be like exploding because I mean, if tomorrow we see Conrad or anything, you know, we'll be like, Oh my God. If we see Skull Knight, we'll be like, Oh my God. It's basically, I mean, we saw, uh, I mean, this episode is really, you could look at it as just boring political stuff, but I want to meet that person. I want to meet the person that thinks. Well, that. I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm sure. <laughs> whatever, I, I don't want to meet it, but uh, I know it's uh, it's huge in terms of you know implications for what the empire will be, whatever. And then we we get, you get the end where he disappears, and obviously it hints uh, at the, the boy and uh, meeting up to for a thumb. So all these things are huge, and basically at this point. I feel like every episode of like, pull a car and, and it will be huge, a huge development. So that, that's, pretty, that's pretty cool, you know. I mean, that's, you know, really great.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and particularly just the feeling that if, it, if indeed the boy goes to Elfem, which makes a lot of sense, and there's some kind of conflict there on the mm-hmm. island, or even a face-to-face potentially with Femto, Guts and Casca, that's monumental, Mm-hmm. that is they haven't happened since volume 22 I'm not counting the oh, dance yeah. at the beach
1: um, that's well, super they looked huge. at each
2: other yeah.
1: Uh, yeah yeah. I mean just Gus and Casca speaking like talking to each other is huge and you had the boy it's even huger and you had the boy angry face it's even like you know throw in skull knight yeah.
0: throw in dan and throw in Gen, yeah, throw in, <laughs> throw
2: in everyone <laughs> yeah when Skull Knight walks in and goes, I've got to kill your son right now. Yeah. I no time to explain.
1: <laughs> Just as they corner the boy and, you know, nothing can be done. He's like, I see my reinforcements have arrived and you see <laughs> Conrad rising up from the pool of water or something.
0: Rats. No, he's in the bushes. He's in the bushes,
1: remember? Rat remember? Rats, you know, you know waves yeah. of rats coming. And it's like, ah,
2: there's rats. I don't know. <laughs> It's <laughs> Tannen's weakness. She yeah. jumps up on a table and is just like, oh, I'm done. Gonna I can't know, fight any longer. They're
1: going to know on my tree. He's got squirrels. They're going to just, you know. <laughs> what? Oh,
0: no. Whatever. <laughs> it was an interesting turn because we have been talking. I feel like uh, throughout the past 10 years or so, anytime the boy stuff would come up, whether here or on Reddit, I would try to explain our perspective on it and a lot of times people will be like oh I've never really thought about that before or no it can't be that uh, it's just not proven you can't prove it based on Zod's horn uh, it's just that could be a rock that's shaped like Zod's horn it's just a yeah.
2: rock I still say it's just a rock you got lucky
0: <laughs> it, was, it, it was incidental for a long time and you could add it all up and, and the thing was you know, like, like a lot of things you stack it up and stack it up and stack it up over the various times and it starts to make a lot of sense it starts to yeah. solidify and what happened in this episode was, you know, to me the the most solid implication we've had so far with the hair turning dark, him acknowledging it, him disappearing on a moonlight. It's just, it's all it's all right there on the page, you know, pretty much exactly like we had described.
1: Yeah, I think it's. Uh, I mean, obviously that's one of the key moments of this episode. You know, I uh, I think maybe the. the, the the keyest if that's uh, something we can say well
2: it's the i think it's the biggest confirmation of something it's definitely uh most yeah. significant there i, I actually thought a, a lot of the discussion was uh, pretty fascinating all the political stuff being laid out mm-hmm. but yeah that's definitely the biggest long-term like oh crap we've been thinking about this for a decade and uh, this is the closest uh, confirmation we've got yet
1: yeah, it further validates it. And uh it's been 13 years, actually. I mean, since I made the, the post uh, in 2006. So, yeah. But it, it, I think, it, you know, when you think about it, it had already been uh, pretty much confirmed in the story since then. You know, that's not like... We had, had no confirmation of that and actually uh, did a little history of how that theory came to be, because I feel like people are often mistaken. And maybe, you know, uh, people outside of Scotland's forums don't necessarily keep up with our understanding of, of it, uh, like Walter mentioned. So I think this is a good occasion to go back a little bit on what we know about the boy in Griffiths, how we learn about it over the years, if you guys are okay with that.
0: Do you mean like volume twenty-eight on from the boy's appearance, or do you mean even before that?
1: I think it really starts during the incarnation ceremony at the Tower of Conviction. You know, when uh, the the child, you know, who's exhausted and dying after saving his mom, uh, is swallowed up by the buried apostle. You know, he he climbs the tower. He swallows him up because he feels spirit towards him, and he says he can die together, and you know, he can dream of the new world that's to come and stuff. And we see like the child's uh, misshapen body as it's transformed into something else which is, you know, a a new Griffiths. That's what the incarnation is, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Even at the time, you know, when we see, uh, you know, femto, purely a spirit, acquiring the corporate body uh, with the child at the detriment of the child. uh, At the time, you know, readers already thought, you know, there was something more to it. It's what you told me back in the day.
0: Yeah, I kind of had to... I didn't quite remember exactly what everyone thought. I'm talking about the era between you know 165 to 170 or so. I don't remember the specifics, so I had to go look. But basically, we thought that when Femto was incarnated into this new body, that basically he possessed through the Behir apostle would ultimately be a fusion between Guts and Casca's son and Griffith. You know, and, and all the dilemmas that that might entail. I was actually surprised that we. Nailed it that accurately because, uh, to be honest, I wasn't thinking about Berserk nearly as much uh, or as intensely as I do these days. Or I don't have a podcast, let's put it that way. <laughs> Didn't have a podcast back in 19 or t- t- 2000. Anyway, so the, yeah, the, the headspace at the time in the community, not just me, but others, was basically that, yeah, this new being would be a fusion between. Guts and Casca's son and Griffith, but we did not understand the dynamic or how that would play out in terms of who has ownership of the body, you know, yeah. or anything like that. That wasn't discussed really.
1: Well, was well, that would be impossible to to guess? I mean, yeah. before you knew who, who it happens. Anyway, yeah, something. Uh, I guess the first uh, clue about this is that. Uh, when Griffiths emerges from the egg, um, Casca becomes agitated and calls out to him. Calls out to him, and it's a subtle, seal because, subtle scene because uh, at first it looks like she's reaching for guts, and then it shows she's really looking at Griffiths, which is you know kind of hard to understand. Uh, but it's made clear in volume twenty-two when uh, Griffiths shows up on the hill of swords, uh, and you see uh, that she's you know she's in the cabin, Gordo's cabin, far away, but she feels something in her brain. She goes out, you know, and then you understand, oh, you know, she's looking for her son, you know, same way she, she did before, uh, you know, when she he was still the demon child. <clears throat> and um, there's also more information uh, when Griffith, uh feels something towards Gus while he watches him fighting with Zod. So it's not his own feelings because his heart is frozen, as he says, but those are the child. So uh, I think at the time, you know, it already proves that the boy hasn 't simply been erased or he 's not being put apart or they have not just been merged into one single being, but uh, he 's got these separate feelings that are those of the kid and not his own and um, that further you know comes to a head when uh, you know the fight goes on, the big boulders fall to, you know onto casca, and Griffiths actually moves into protector. And uh when he does, she's like reaching towards him, even though her brain is is bleeding and causing her uh a lot of pain so you know at the time, guess what she's done without understanding what's happening uh but you know when Griffiths flies off and sink back to the kid and to what happened uh, I think we we can already tell that uh basically the boy made him do it. Certainly.
0: I think, really, a small little layer there is that Guts, as you say, did not understand what was happening. It looked to him like Casca was reaching off to Griffith, and that, like, yep. froze Guts at the time.
2: It was
1: hurtful, yeah. Yeah, mm. yeah exactly. Yeah. It's like, and, and that's something Mira does sometimes. He did it with the um, Knights of the Holy Chain, you know, which is the characters are mistaken about something. And, uh, in this case, Guts is mistaken. He thinks Casca's reaching towards Griffiths and like, why? She's not supposed to recognize anybody. Mm-hmm. So why does she act like that with Griffiths? Especially after what he did to her. So for Guts, it's heart-wrenching. And that can also induce, uh, confusion into the reader. You know, if you don't pay attention, you're like, yeah, that's odd, you know. And it's, uh, he, he does it a few times. Uh, he did it with the Hulk of, uh, darkness uh, thing, the Falcon of Darkness thing. So, yeah, that's also, uh, a part. And I, I think at the time that confused a lot of readers.
3: Kind of an unreliable narrator issue. Yeah, even though Guts isn't narrating, we're right. seeing it through his perspective.
1: And you generally rely on his reaction to things as kind of a baseline. Exactly, right. and it's worth noting that uh, that time when we see uh, Griffiths touch his chest and think about the the, uh, the child and uh, what happened with Casca, is the last time we actually see like some internal thought from, from Griffith until this episode, you know, episode uh, three hundred and fifty-eight. So that's uh, a lot of time that's elapsed without actually having any window into his mind and in both case it's the same topic it's about the boy you know yeah so anyway, that brings us to uh, volume 28 when the group is on the beach they're about to reach ritanis and uh, you know shukit as a group about the full moon and the sea that they have you know powers that you know uh, boosts magic that kind of stuff boy appears first
0: and then we get the moon isn't
1: it yeah it's possible yeah, yeah i mean i just <laughs> i'm just going the moon happens when the crocs appear yeah exactly uh but I mean, yeah i mean she she talks about the power of the moon and that kind of stuff during that whole you know era yeah but, but certainly but yeah you're right uh,
2: anyway it's all conveniently laid out at that moment you know that oh hey the moon exactly right. exactly
1: that's my point is that <laughs> it's, it just comes up at the exact same time and so And so we see Casca as a, you know, a guts and showcase speak with the Skull Knight. Uh, We see Casca wander on the beach and meet a young young boy, and it's a boy in the moonlight, as a title uh, of the episode. And yeah, she acts as a mother towards him, and the boy also shows a keen interest in guts. We we like even get a a shot of them, you know, this is a little comical moment. They look like a family, you know, people comment on that. Even later on, when uh, Gus watches Casca sleep with the kid, he he's, like, wistfully thinking back to his son as the last time he saw him inside the Beherit Apostle. So, it doesn't take a genius to put two and two together here, you know. Uh, yeah, I think, really. <laughs> I think everybody at the time saw the boy was, you know, their son, right? Yeah. Yeah.
0: That is my remember memory as well. And it's it's hard to think it, it wasn't. The question was, there was no answers at that time about how that could be the case. Yeah,
2: Yeah, it could have been... It could have been a reincarnation. It could have been anything, you know, a separate yeah. projection, whatever.
0: Yeah. Yeah, hmm. there was no immediate explanation for it. And I don't remember spending a lot of mental energy on trying to unpiece that puzzle at the time.
2: Yeah, pretty
1: much. The thing is, he even looks like them, but yeah, like you said, we know the sun is inside, you know, Griffith's body, so it can't be him. Right. And the brand doesn't react to him, so it can't be him. And unless, you know, like you say, maybe Griffiths managed to shed him. I remember people were thinking that maybe he shed the boy or he cast him away, you know. Mm -hmm. But we weren't sure. We weren't really thinking about it. We also get, uh, I should mention the battles. There's a battle where the boy shows that he's got, you know, like supernatural power. Uh, There's an episode titled Superior Being who implies... That he's got superior power and and he when Gus with his mind to the armor, the boy, uh, you know, uh, appears as a spirit of light and breaks through to him. Yeah. All th- he um just
0: wrote one extra layer is when he he basically dispels or, or sends the crocs away when they're at the yeah. door. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Well, he shows two uh, moments there. The moment where he just get makes the crocs move on with a look, right? And not like they were scared. Like he just like basically like commanded them or something. Yeah. yeah. You know, they just walk past. And then, when basically guts was out of control and berserk, and heading back towards the group, uh, is when he really sprung into action and uh, knocked him away while also trying to calm him.
0: Yeah, and it looks like an astral projection. I mean, yeah. we didn't know that at the time, but we see the boy on the on the beach, and he has a swirling light around him, mm-hmm. and then we see the creature as well, or the creature, the being of light.
2: It's like he's firing out from Casca, you know, because mm-hmm. she was holding him. Yep. And so, uh
1: yeah, and after the battle, uh you know, Casca's looking for the boy who's gone missing, and we see a shot of him ominously looking down on them from up uh, high cliff with the full moon behind him, and that's it. And at the point, yeah, we were kind of still stuck, you know, it's like, the boy must be the son, but the son is trapped inside Griffiths, so, you know, what do we do? He's got... Power that fits, uh, you know, a higher being like Griffiths, but the brand doesn't work. So Shirek did not recognize anything. So
2: yeah, we we don't know. Was uh, was that page added with the the horn and the rocks when they're looking it's, for the boy?
1: Exactly. Yeah, that's where I'm 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 uh, I'm uh, I'm going with this. Is that? I think at the time we already had the possibility of Griffith physically turning into a boy. You know, that was something we mentioned with the king, maybe taking good control. Uh, that was technically possible. You know, all the requirements were fit, but it was, you know, kind of far fetched, you know, hard to swallow. It'd be, be crazy. So we, we, we left it at that. And then, uh, two years later, uh, I was doing something I, I rarely do, which is uh, reading my basic volumes. And so I was reading through <laughs> volume 28, and I noticed a page I couldn't recall from uh, that episode. The fact that you remember that you couldn't recall it is just fucking insane. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> because
0: ever since let – me, let me just real quick. Ever since this moment when Azil made this major post that changed the way we see this character, everybody, not just me, many people have gone page by page for every volume release to see if there's any other, you know – Bombs that have been dropped on us, and uh, in the, the proceeding, the secret
2: event. that Mira added.
4: <laughs> right.
0: What what juicy thing did we simply miss in the additional page or additional panel? And there, of course, has never been anything this big. Episode eighty three was removed. There was a single page removed from volume twenty one. That's un- uh, inconsequential by mm-hmm. comparison to this. But this is the big one. Anyway, sorry.
1: No, no, you're right. So, so yeah, I was. Uh, so it's two years later, and I'm I'm reading that, and uh, I check Young Animal, and uh, yeah, actually, uh, the page was added in the volume. So you know, it's it's a cool find. It's not the first time it's done, but it's not it's not common as you said. So you know, but I'm just thinking, why why was it added? So um, you know, something just you know strikes me about it is that the the top part it just had some dialogue about the boy. It's not very interesting. I mean, not not.
2: He just wanted to establish that they didn't know where the boy was. Yeah, like, hey, where's the boy?
0: The way the scene <laughs> ended before it was like, well, I guess we'll go back to the cabin, and then Miura added an additional page, being like, well, I guess we'll. Keep going back to the cabin.
1: Yeah, it's it's not exactly like that, but yeah, it's like, oh, we should head back, you know, otherwise the kid would catch a cold. But it doesn't add any
0: major action. And so you wonder, like, why is this here? It's
1: not major. Hmm. But but then if you look at the uh, the bottom part, it shows Guts noticing something through his brand. He then turns towards the cliff and dismisses it. He's like, huh, must be nothing. But the last shot of the page shows the group walking away from the point of view of someone on the cliff. So, what, mm-hmm. was someone there, you know? What about the next page? So, the top of the next page, which was already in the original episode, you know, but always there. It's just a transition shot from the cliff and sky to the group talking in the cabin. Except, it's just, it's not any shot of the cliff. There's a strange shape on it. Silhouetted against a cloud in the background, a shape that's really unmistakable. It's Zod's horn so uh so yeah and we also see the tip of his wing it's uh it's really his profile actually as if he was looking down facing the group and then he's turning away and the shot captures him as he's turning so right. so yeah that's pretty crazy it's like why is that would be there and more than that what would mirror at a page specifically to draw attention to it it's like <laughs> well
2: we should uh yeah. we should also point out that we do see the boy up there too so this assume-
1: eventually yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, after after he returns, he's also on top of the cliffs, which is a connection right. to that. Yeah.
2: But so we know he's up there.
1: Yeah, and yeah, and you know, for that to be there in his uh, apostle form means that he just flew in too, and, and and he's not showing himself either, which means he didn't come to confront the group or for personal reasons.
2: It's funny to think of him hiding. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, oh, oh uh, I don't want them to spot me. <laughs> and
0: uh, <laughs> I wanted to do two things real quick, and that is like, why would Mira add the page? Yeah, and I think we haven't fully dissected that part, and mm-hmm. that is. I think it accomplishes two things. First, it, it makes basically guts acknowledge that something was there. He, he's that the brand had a sensation. That was the additional page, correct? Yep, exactly. Okay. So it accounts for Zod's appearance. It's not like an apostle can go unnoticed, but more than that, it adds a page that makes the reader have, be on alert for a moment. Yeah, You're on alert for a yeah. moment about why what, what, what could be there. So when you turn the page, you're scrutinizing it a little, just a little bit more. And it's not just a transition anymore. You're looking for something now. So it's Mira kind of like very slyly underlining a piece of text. Like, Mm -hmm. why would you underline that? The
2: the funny thing about it is he was correcting the sort of, you know, from his point of view, like, okay, I had this in here already. But I didn't draw enough attention to it. Yep. Yep. But totally. The funny thing is is he still didn't draw enough attention to it. It's still way too subtle that like It's
0: really subtle. One
2: person got it on the planet and posted <laughs> about it like at the <laughs> You know, it's like okay, now this is my signal to Az on SKNet. He'll get it. Yeah, <laughs> he, was, he was like waiting for a year after the volume came out, disappointed. Like, man, I really thought he would have posted about it by now. but yeah. then you saw it, you know.
1: <laughs> I think he wanted it to stay subtle. You know, I think he realized like no right, one. He didn't
2: want to give it away. Yeah. But at the same time, he wanted that groundwork to solidly be there.
1: Yeah, because yeah, no, no one. I think you know, I'm probably no one would have gotten it otherwise, or you know, maybe I don't know much later on but um but yeah he wanted there to still be so i think zod's appearance doesn't necessarily give it all away yeah we can certainly we we,
0: and we did craft a very sound theory about why he might be there and kind of how it explains a lot of things but from most readers perspective okay zod's there that's weird it doesn't necessarily you know throw everything out and make it super obvious
1: yeah i agree actually so what's interesting about this is that zod being there it's it's not the core of it. It's just the final push. It's just a little push needed to be like, you know, why would be there to spy on the group? He doesn't care. The Kushans are another year. He doesn't care about these guys. Well, well,
2: you know, it is. It establishes that this isn't just like some projection or you know some separate entity off from Griffith. You know, of the boy that somehow Griffith is directly tied to this. Mm-hmm. You yep. know, as he, you know, that his second has to be there. Or it's it's in his best interest to be there. Yep. You, see, you know, Zod is
1: basically Griffith's chauffeur and uh, doubles as his bodyguard. <laughs> so, you know, these are the reasons... Basically, almost the only reasons he could be there. So, and we never knew how the boy got there and how he left. So, you know, that also explains it. Uh, you know, he could have just ridden on on, uh, on the back. So, anyway, yeah, this was like like you said, Walter. It's not that doesn't prove anything, but it's a final push that made it clear. The only logical explanation for the boy and Griffiths is that of the transformation, a physical transformation, and that, that's the correct explanation. We already suspected it. It could have been. Either he could have shed the boy as a separate entity, or he could have transformed. These were basically the only two possibilities. And the fact that was there, well, you know, it kind of makes it clear it's a transformation. And um, and after uh, I posted about this, we also quickly came to conclusions that the full moon was uh, likely the trigger of it. And uh, after all, it's right there in his name as well. So you know, the boy in the moonlight, the full moon, he transforms. So. Uh, at that point, I think, you know, for us, and uh, at least for me personally, the matter was settled. But, uh, and it would be years until we saw the boy again. Um, he actually reappeared in, um, 2010 in episode uh, 316, which is titled Full Moon. And he shows up in, uh, on the solitary island, uh, in the middle of the battle against the, uh, sea monsters. And, um, we see Gaska rush to him. And he saves the day again by, Helping guts uh, through the armor, and uh, that confirms that the full moon was indeed the trigger for this uh, appearance. There was just a little problem, though, is that uh, it seemed unlikely Zod would have carried the boy all the way to the solitary island. Ah, but he didn't need to anymore. Exactly, but mm-hmm. at the time, I don't know if you guys remember, but uh, there was some naysayers who were naysayers, I guess, uh, who were uh, harping on that point.
2: Oh, I was. I was one of them. <laughs> I was a naysayer for this theory. I, because yeah. uh, I, yeah, I was helping you out. You know, you need someone to help you uh, solidify uh, your, your, your challenges <laughs> Yeah, your, that's true. Sharpen it up. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was uh, it was interesting because yeah, at the time, you know, if you're doing it one way or another. You would look at it, well, okay, Zod's bringing the boy over, this is the M.O., but then, you know, okay, Zod's not here. It would seemingly contradict it, except that this is after uh, Fantasia, Yep. and, you know, now the boy can travel, you know. It actually makes it even stronger previously, because you look back and go, oh, you know, the tree didn't exist that time. That's why you had to establish that Zod was there.
1: Yeah, mm. ex- exactly. So, so yeah, we, we get that, that clue. I mean, we get the confirmation about the full moon, but, uh, yeah, we, we still had uh, a bit of, uh, uncertainty because of that. And, um, and yeah, actually, the, so the confirmation comes, I think it's, uh, 10 episodes later, uh, when, uh, Guts is drowning, uh, inside the sea god's blood, you know, and, and the boy appears to him in his for form again and guides him out. And as he does, uh, he's got these two strands of hair, astral hair, that are very typical of his single character in Berserk, uh, which is Griffiths, obviously. So I think at the time, you know, again, you know, that like, okay, his astral form actually looks like Griffiths. And then uh, a few episodes later, uh, in the episode of Shooting Star, uh, we actually see the boy standing atop one of the branches of the war spire tree and getting inside and shooting it off in the distance. And it's funny because he's actually... 30 episodes before we see griffiths lead his army uh back to falconia that way so as i explained how the boy uh, could get to the island so yeah basically there you have it that's that's why the ending of episode uh, 358 isn't surprising although it's still super exciting um i stepped out for about a minute to grab some chips
0: they're delicious <laughs> i wanted to ask if you also talked about how casca treats the boy and casca's actions around the boy uh, during that little sequence there
1: i mean i glossed over it but uh, yeah
0: go ahead it's one additional solidifying force i think because if we establish that the boy is the demon child right that's yeah. that's always some sometimes that's also in, uh, up for discussion
2: but he doesn't have that big weird eye you're right, he
0: looks totally different. It it's a handsome him. boy, not an ugly He's not boy. not all
3: lumpy yeah. like the other one.
0: But throughout every single iteration of the boy appearing, every scene, you know, Cask is usually seeking it out or highly protective of it. You know, yeah. that works for every single little <laughs> scene, which is the exact same dynamic that was whenever
1: Casca was around the demon child. It's the same relationship. Exactly, yeah. Always has been. Yeah, the core, the, that's the interesting part, actually, it's at the core of the theory, what proves it. What what makes it, you know, strong is not Zod or whatever anything is. The fact that Casca and the boy have the same relationship all throughout. They always do the same thing. It's the same mechanic. She seeks him out. She can feel him immediately when he appears. And he protects her, uh, you know, relentlessly. And he even has the same relationship with Gus, which is he cares about him. He wants to help him, but he's also wary and Gus also mm-hmm. kind of standoffish with him. So... These things are, yeah, these relationships, the a fact they are the same throughout once you understand that it's basically impossible not to see it that they are absolutely the same character
0: there's another pattern at work there that relates to what I said, and that is you know why the boy appears or when he appears. you know, I said so in the thread, but it, it, the the consistent thing there, even when he was the demon child. He appeared when he was there to protect or guide his parents to safety you know when he appeared to guts in volume 17 directing guts because he had caught a a portion of the prophecy directing guts to albion so he could help rescue casca Mm -hmm. was one thing um when he appeared before casca and albion it was to protect her and eventually you know almost expired trying to fight off Mazgus and those guys you know you can add up all of them even add add up up to the moonlight boy when it appeared Even though the Crocs weren't there and the Makara wasn't there.
2: It's a good thing now that they only get in big trouble when the moon is full.
0: (laughs) I know. Isn't it convenient? (laughs) But it always is. It's never just like, it's not that the Makara appeared and they beat Guts up. That wasn't the threat. The threat was Guts. Yeah. After the fight. You know, only the boy had the power to do what needed to happen at that moment.
1: And that's why he appeared only after Guts got the armor. Right. Good point. Yeah. And um another thing is, uh, I mean, the reason, you know, people, you know, the listeners might not, you know, find this very interesting, might not care about it. But, you know, you need to understand that the reason Guts and Casca are, are going to be able to beat Griffiths, the reason Guts beats Griffiths in the end is because of the boy. And the, the actual tension in the final fight is really going to be, uh, you know, whether they can, you know kill Femto or defeat Femto without, you know, killing the boy and, you know, how, how that's going to work out. That's going to be the big heart-wrenching thing about the end of the series. It's, it's going to be that whole, the whole thing between them.
2: Well, it could also be convenient if they're able to basically exercise femto from the body exactly or trap it in there and the boy is almost like either the seal on him or you know basically they drive him out
1: and i actually got something to uh, bounce off of what you just said is the boy still doesn't have a name They've never yeah. named him. And uh, so Oh fuck. First first that's interesting. I <laughs> do you know, what are they gonna name Maybe Judo, you know, in honor of the fallen one.
4: <laughs> oh shit. Oh. Oh.
1: You I like I love the direction you were going. And now I don't I'm I'm okay, I'm going back to that direction. So Carcass,
2: Carcass. During the
1: during the solitary island uh, you know, little segment of the story, uh, we learned of uh, an interesting fact is that um, Astral beings have a true name called the mana uh, and, uh, and that it gives power to those who know it. So, you know, that's why ivara tell Isma she should never tell her mana to, you know, other people. And so, mm-hmm. uh, I'm wondering if that might not come into play with this. So, first off, you know, there's the fact Gus knows about Femto's name. You know, that's a thing. He knows that he knows about this. And then what about the boy? You know, what about uh, his name and what's the name and what's it going to be? So I'm thinking this whole mana thing might play a part in the whole are to maybe split the two or, you know, because it's supposed to, yeah. when Isma says a true name, it also reveals a true form. So maybe speaking the true name, we reveal the true form of the boy. So go ahead, Walter, if you had something to, to say. No, I'm, just, I'm, I'm this is me saying, amen,
2: amen, yeah, every like, time you're saying something is all it is. Yeah, it's like, hey, uh, if you want to jump off, if you can beat that, go ahead. <laughs>
0: you know, nope. Although, uh, the only I- image that shot into my head whenever you said, when they say the name, the, the for- true form appears, was that it might be used in L film. And then we're talking about, we want that conflict there with Griffith and Guts and Casca. Yeah. We wondered how it might manifest That is one way it might manifest. What if they just, like, Guts
2: is just they're around the fire and talking about, well, Griffith. They they could say Griffith or Femto, you know, and casually, and the boy just starts like,
0: (laughs) 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 I'm imagining it has to be incorporated in some kind of formalized way, but I don't know. The
2: boy, actually, the theoretical boy has a name that Griffith gave it, which was Pippin. Oh, my God. Uh,
3: That's a deep deep cut right there. That's... I, I doubt that will come to any sort of
2: fruition, but it's interesting that there is an established name in the canon. Wait, Wait, wasn't Not Pippin the dog?
1: No, no. Pippin is a dog and Guts is oh, a boy. Yeah.
2: Guts was the boy. Oh, Guts Jr. Right, Guts Jr. Yeah. That's right. Never mind. Never mind. Yeah. I got it. I inverted it.
0: If you say that name, they're going to be synchronized whenever you make them do something. They could do DDR dualies really well. <laughs>
2: so does that mean the boy's name is Griffith anyway? <laughs> he'll, just re- he'll just replace this Griffith?
3: Wow, oh my this God! This is getting so confusing.
2: All right, I I managed to ruin Az's great point. so yeah. I've,
3: I've done my work. <laughs> my work here is finished. <laughs> I love the the mana idea though. That's that's no, that uh, is really cool. Yeah,
4: yeah.
0: yeah. Once Whoa. again,
2: you've changed uh, the way I see the story. Finally, the Sea God chapter finally
1: has some relevance. Oh my
2: God! <laughs> you paid it off. <laughs>
1: <laughs> There's another a lot of cool stuff in that. Uh, I
2: wanted to. Point while well, before we uh, get off the boy, just that did Griffith not have this on his calendar? Does he not keep track of the moon so that he knows exactly when? The, he seems almost surprised, like you know, he's doing his look at the hair, like oh yeah. <laughs> yeah <this laughs> well, is no,
0: think about it. Did we talk about uh, episode three forty? About how the f- previous full moon, nothing happened? Or pre- presumably? I was
1: actually... So, yeah, that's an interesting thing. Is uh, Yeah. Go, so, going back to, just for a sec, to the fact Mura does some misdirection sometimes. He did, um, you know, make Shiruke guess wrong uh, about the boy. She was like, oh, me- He's probably an envoy of the Sovereign of the Flower of Storm, which is not the case. And while we knew it was not the case at the time, it's, you know, like, Shilke is actually wrong about it. So it's an interesting case of misdirection. And the other one is when... Uh, the Not Quite Full Moon... Yeah, I mean, when um um Rickert and uh, Bakaraka escape from Falconia and you see uh, Griffiths, you know, walking up on a wall and looking at the moon, and, you know, he sees them, but he's also looking at the moon. We are not sure exactly what he's doing, so... Right. And, and, and we're not sure whether he's going to transform or not, so he's just cut off at of that. So, yeah, I think what we were going to say, Walter, is that maybe he doesn't transform every night, which is, uh, I mean, Correct. every full moon, which is definitely uh, possible.
0: The boy appears before his parents not just to hang out and have fan time or family time it was to protect them from imminent danger yep and clearly whatever was happening that night was not one of those times
2: hmm no that's true i'll actually go back on my own little joke that they only get in trouble at the full moon there's logical reason for that because things would be crazier when there's a full moon yeah true uh the monsters would be more powerful yeah
1: i mean is during a full moon that the uh, sea god manages to break free of his prison, and m- right. maybe that helped. You know, right. there's a lot of lot of things is, to consider. Would,
2: that's exactly when they would need power like his.
0: And actually, that also explains why Guts was had uh, issues with the the beast at the time, uh, at, and on Vertanus Beach. That's also an effect of the full moon. It was the mind becomes more unhinged, is what she says. So she said, "Be on your guard to Guts."
3: He became a lunatic.
1: Actually, uh, yep. I think the biggest factor on the beach was the uh, fact he was near the sea, you know. Uh, he gets lost in the sound know, oh, yeah, the the of the ocean. Oh. And, I mean, that's how it's uh, that's how it's presented, at least. But, yeah, I mean, the, the moon probably
2: uh, did not help. Pretty much every every stimuli fucks with. <laughs> with yeah, it's just, the beast. He's,
1: not, uh, he's not helped. Light and no.
2: sound. <laughs> oh, don't worry, guys. Only light
3: and sound will negatively <laughs> affect
2: this. <laughs> yeah. I think uh, Walter left us yeah. when we need to end the show. Yeah. <laughs> he got some more
3: chips. Yeah. Those chips must be really good. <laughs> it's
2: time to end the program, and you know he's like, "Oh, Griffith's talking." I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna go hit the can. I'll be right back. <laughs> I'm sure he'll still be going on when I return. <laughs> uh, do we think that Gazerick, Because I mean, in my mind, the way I just sort of organically thought of it was, he was, you know, his own man. He did this in the past, and Griffith is almost like. You know, or and the idea of evil to an extent is almost like they're copying it, yeah. right? They're recreating it. So, did he? Was he just acting on his own, or was he the original Griffith that the idea set in motion? That is a That's,
0: that is not a one last thing. That's not like a Steve Jobs one last thing.
2: Well, you weren't here. <laughs> that, that, that is a great point,
1: and uh, so I've actually thought about that. My. my So, I guess the the version I prefer, because I like the Skull Knight, is that he was his own man, and uh, he did his own thing, and not necessarily the way it's presented. I think, for example, he had the uh, magic users on his side. He was, like, friends with them, and, you know.
2: Right, we get the – there's the good version and the evil version, and, you know, what's true and – and win, you know.
1: exactly. So I, I think I think the story of the fall of his empire was not how it's being told. And I think uh, you know when, when Charlotte tells it, you know there's no astro creatures or anything like that into play. But I think when we actually see how things were at the time, uh, we find out that there were you know astro creatures in play. And uh, and yeah, I think he was not being manipulated by the Eid of evil uh, and that Griffiths is just a copy replicating that but it could very well be the other way as well I mean one of my very old theories is that uh, Geyseric uh, has the opportunity to sacrifice to become a member of the gold hand is that he refused which uh, right. mm. which would be pretty fucking cool I think I still think it's gonna be it would be pretty cool but yeah well just- yeah because
2: even even if he was originally meant to do that he you know that means he rebelled
1: yeah, he was pretty much no. I won't do it. And uh, but yeah, I mean that's just uh, just an idea. I mean, obviously, Means he's a
2: little a little smarter than
1: Griffith. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, Griffith. The thing is, I mean, he had he had almost no choice. I mean, he was a half mad from torture. He had you know, and then you big yeah. you know, messed with his mind. You know, I mean, at that point, he was you know, he, always, and he was
2: perfectly. He's the king of longing, anyway. You know, he was created for this. Yeah, pretty yeah. pretty much.
1: I mean, just. There's basically no way he could have refused, you know. I mean, I don't want to absolve him. He could have refused, but they made it very, very, very difficult for him too. So I, I feel like, you know, in a world where maybe things were not planned as um, perfectly, you know, there was more leeway to, to refuse that stuff.
0: In terms of comparing the alternatives, and I mean, I always go back to like what's, what makes the more dramatic story, you know. Was Geyser complicit initially and then rejected it? Or, or did, it, did, it, did it simply not exist as an element and he was just a man that was wronged by external forces? Yeah. I think it makes it more dramatic if he was somewhat complicit in it personally.
1: Well, you know, I mean, it, it really depends because I think in a way, Gaiseric might have been the one – who got the magic users to put in the parasite trees to, uh, you know, separate the worlds? He he might have been the one who said, okay, we're going to split things up so that humans can live peacefully, you know? And uh, Mm. in a way, so Griffiths is reversing what Geyseric did. And I mean, you know, there's, so there's no proof, you know, of, of how things were at the time, but, you know, we always, you know, it's kind of hinted that he's got a history with Void. So, you know, that might have been, you know, part of a betrayal, you know, that kind of thing, the start of something, and he's got some enmity with the God Hand. So, <clears throat> I don't know, but I, I could see it going both ways.
2: Yeah. And it, it could be both where he started out on his, you know, he was just a man doing his own thing and then somehow became complicit or they came and they just like ruined what he had built, you know?
0: The, the trouble with it is when it comes to the godhand we know there's a pact. There's a sacrificial ceremony. That means you're in. So like, when I say he's complicit, you, you can't really go he's in that. You either are or you are not, you know, part of an, okay. a, a – Okay, so yeah. like
2: complicit with, with blood – yeah,
0: I don't know though. He's obviously not an apostle. I'm, yeah. not, I'm not trying to imply he is. I don't know. I don't know how that would manifest. What complicit means in terms? of – I don't of-
1: think you know the rituals. The, the rituals we are familiar with might not have been in place at the time. Uh, sure. Right. One thing uh, we saw on Skellig is that there was. He this- only
2: had to sacrifice his horse. <laughs> so what? Did it, uh, you, <laughs> well, you know, there
1: was a we saw the Wicker Man. You know, uh, mm-hmm. as part of the defenses, a forbidden item, taboo item, who, which was powered by human souls. So that implies that at the time, magic users. You know, you got the good guys using elemental power and that kind of stuff, but you also got people you know it kind of reminds me of the tree in uh, volume 14 you mm-hmm, know sure people who do you know dark magic or blood magic whatever you want to call it so you know what if geyseric at the time what if he's like you know he's using these guys he's got one of these guys with him you know uh yeah he's got a big
0: old brain That guy that does it yeah. why not
1: <laughs> Yeah. i mean let's you know why not this guy sure and he's you know he's using that guy because that allows him to win battles and do that thing. Yeah, it's, it's effective when you throw wicker men at armies. Exactly. So and maybe at some point he's like, oh, I can't condone this shit. You're going too far or whatever. And just, you know, and they have a falling out. And uh, that's how you get void. And, um, sure. and yeah, and, and, and maybe he made some bad, cho- bad choices. But, you know, I mean, not necessarily going as far as, you know, you're part of the plan, you, you're supposed to sacrifice, right. become a guy. So, I right. don't know. That's, that's
0: towing the line around where I would expect. You know, I, I would like it to be somewhat like that. Oh. If he was completely clean and spotless of any blemishes, I don't think it's as interesting.
1: He's absolutely not going to be as a kind of whole.
3: He's got a skull helmet. Yeah, he can't be yeah. That yeah. Nice. I mean, he's not <laughs> going to yeah, be. a all got,
2: He's got a, a debt that he has to pay here. That he's. That's what he's doing. Exactly. He, yes. He's
1: not going to turn out to be some holy knight, you know, fighting for justice. But uh, right. yeah, I think he's a. Uh, it's interesting. He's kind of a mix. Uh, of Griffiths and Guts, you know, in terms of, you know, who he's uh, he's been set up as a character. So, yeah. I'll say it like I've said it every day for the past 10 years. It feels like that's right around the corner that we'll learn about that stuff. I, I've i always said uh, Eltham would be a good place for it. And uh, I uh, stand by it. I think Eltham is a place to learn more about what happened. And, you know, especially given what's happening now in Falconia, you know, there's, things are really being set in motion. And they
0: name-dropped him this episode, so...
2: They didn't need a panel of him to just mention the Empire, you know? That's already been done.
1: Yeah, so I think uh, I think it's coming. I think it's coming in you know, a thumb. I mean, it's part of the things. you know, I mean, we've talked about it before, but uh, we're going to get some
2: development. They're all around the fire telling the story, and then it ends with, you know, zeroing in on the boy's face, staring at him, you know?
1: <laughs>
2: <Like, laughs> <laughs> <laughs> Want to give you another shot, <laughs> old
1: man? <laughs>
2: yes, tell me, tell me more. Tell me your greatest fear, your
4: weakness.
2: <laughs> I think, um, I mean,
1: given, you know, Elfam is also the place where, uh, you know, like one journey for Guts, you know, ended, you know, he brought Casca. They're gonna have some developments, you know, uh, finding themselves, that kind of stuff. And then they're gonna have to go back, you know, for the final journey to defeat Griffiths. And in order to, to you know set that in motion. I think knowing about the world, uh, what's in danger, what happened before, what's gonna happen now, it makes sense to have all that information, you know, as as part of yeah. what sets it in motion. So that's also why I think it makes sense for the Skull Knight to show up here. And also to explain to them what happened with uh, you know a great wave of light. You know, I mean he was the one who tried to you know fuck Femto up and ended up playing a role, a big part in the in the bad guy's plan. So he's gonna need to fess up to that and explain also that his, you know, big weapon failed. So then it's something else.
0: Right, which actually is a great point to, to mention, that the fact that I just realized, uh, I think it was this week, that it's been 10 years now since we last saw Skull Knight. Episode 305 came out in, um, actually, it was the, when we last saw Skull Knight, it was May, excuse me, May 2009. One month. The last time we saw Skull Knight. We
1: are fucking old. I haven't seen
3: Skull Knight in 10 years. Yeah.
1: Jesus.
0: (laughs) He's been crying for 10 years.
3: Doesn't feel like it was very long I cannot
1: believe it's been 10 years. Honestly, I cannot believe it. I I (laughs) refuse to
0: believe it. Oh, my God. He's shedding little pebble tears from his bone face. Oh, my God. Yeah. We are old.
4: Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, also 10 years since the Mira interview. Damn. Uh A lot happened that year. Pretty cool stuff. Yeah. That's a good place to wrap it up. Yeah. This is an amazing episode. I really hope um, you guys enjoyed it and we'll be back. Actually, we won't be back immediately. Uh, There's no episode for the foreseeable future, but I expect to be back in June. I don't, I don't see any reason not to uh, because generally doesn't come back and then disappear. This is not, you know, 2010 anymore, 2013 anymore. So presumably it will be back on a more regulated schedule uh, for a little bit. As usual, that seems to be the pace of things. So, Look for June or so. That's what I think. All right. That's it, guys. Catch us on the forums and catch you later. See you, everyone.
3: Bye, guys. Bye.
0: The Skullcast is a production of Skullknight.net, a Berserk fan community. If you like what you heard, please visit patreon.com slash sknet. Donations there do not go towards the podcast but instead toward our resident translator, Puela, who ensures that our members have access to high quality text-based translations of Berserk. Puella has also been translating interviews with Berserk's creator, Kentaro Miura. Many of these interviews have never been translated into English, so it's very exciting to read those. That kind of work simply wouldn't have happened without support from our donors. If you'd like to chip in a buck or two, please know that it all helps. Once again, that's patreon.com sknet If you have a question or want to comment on the podcast, visit our forum, skullnight.net slash forum. Near the top, you'll see a section devoted to the podcast. There's always an active thread in there, so go ahead, leave a post, and someone sure to respond
4: quickly. Thanks for listening!